weekday afternoons 4 to 6 on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. The Republican Party. It is terrifying. The hypocrisy is just running rampant. Bunkers. Tonight is gas rationing the answer. Yep, Wells Fargo. Do you, do you know what environmental racism is? I'm yes not. I'm not. It's unfortunate. They were wrong, and Donald Trump was right. Well, I think your listeners are some of the smartest listeners in America because they have the information that comes across your radio waves. All right, all right, all right. Well, how many lies per sentence do you say? Do you have a quota? Uh, are you a death-on-demand kind of guy, Dave? Can you, can you answer yeah, my question? Yeah, how many lies per sentence? Ooh, scary. This is Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen on 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. Battle today here on a Thursday, June twenty second, twenty twenty three. It is five thirty six here in the AM on. 93.3 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Thanks for joining us this morning. We've got a jam-packed lineup today. I'm Tim Jones, former speaker of your Missouri house, joined, of course, of course, by Cass Bowen Anderson, our executive producer, and Don Luzado, our news director. Tim's top three, 605, 705, 805. The AccuWeather update as we head towards the weekend will be delivered to you just after our 615 break, around 620 this morning. You'll get that all that news you need to know. Looks like maybe... Maybe a little bit of uh, welcome precipitation, some of the some of the wet stuff, perhaps a little bit over the weekend, but looks like the majority of the weekend will be pretty divine. And we'll speak with John Malcolm. Zach Smith is still out this week. He uh, hopefully will be back with us next week. But John Malcolm, who's the vice president uh, at Heritage for constitutional government, he basically is the overseer of all of the, the Zach Smiths there, Zach and Hans and all that. John Malcolm, a former federal prosecutor. And uh, as I just said, heading things over regarding all the legal eagles at the Heritage Foundation will join us at 635. We'll talk about the uh, the ongoing aftermath of well, you actually, you know what? We may touch a little bit on the aftermath of the um, of the Trump indictment. But I definitely want to talk to John about what what was what was the real takeaways from the Durham investigation report that was discussed yesterday on Capitol Hill. Of course, the left and the lunatics like censured Adam Schiff, which is what we're going to call him now. Because that's what happened to him. Got smacked right upside his stupid little googly-eyed head yesterday, Adam Schiff. We're going to talk about what was really the major takeaway regarding the Durham investigation report. The left wanted to talk about everything but what was actually in the contents of the report, continuing to go after the Trump family for fake, phony Russian collusion that has never been proven. And, in fact, the opposite is true. All that at 635. Boy, do we have a lot to discuss on the international foreign affairs uh, front with Dakota Wood, also of Heritage, at 715. Missing Ocean Gate submarines, Chinese spy bases on our doorstep, and more. I've realized that the the Biden doctrine now, we, we now know what the Biden doctrine generally is. You know, we've had two and a half plus years of Joe Biden. Basically, it's tuck, tail, turn, and run. That's pretty much what the Biden doctrine is. You know what that gets you? That gets you communist Chinese spy bases in, in Cuba. That gets you uh, a that gets you uh, derision and and uh, and and disappointment around the globe. 
that gets you a world that is much more dangerous. We'll talk to Dakota about all that at 715. We're going to have uh, Jamie Holstein uh, joining us at 745. U.S. Marine Corps retired. I'll tell you what, we, we love our Marines here, obviously. We have, a, we have many of them on the program, from Paul Kurtman to Dakota Wood. Jamie Holstein uh, joining us this morning. He's also a local banker and was a very close friend of former state representative Chuck Wooten. Chuck Wooten, incredible life story right from right here in Springfield, a fantastic Springfieldian, passed away earlier this week. Uh, he was also good friends with Congressman Billy Long. Billy really wanted to be with us to discuss his good friend, but uh, had, a, had a conflict today. So he hooked us up with Jamie Holstein, who's going to join us to give his uh, reflections on uh, a life well-lived, a great man from here in Southwest Missouri. Dennis Ganahl, I'm going to join us today, 15. We're going to talk about the, uh, we're going to talk about some state level issues. There were a couple diamonds in the rough this year. You know, I've largely complained about this legislative session because it deserved it, but there were a couple things that did pass. We did protect women from guys playing in their sports. We temporarily protected kids from the horrific horrors of the transgender cult. You know, they put a four year sunset on that. I think I've mentioned that. Why? So we're only going to protect kids for four years and then we can go back to chemically castrating them and cutting off body parts. Hopefully Mike Moon, Jill Carter and others can fix that next year. Uh, but we also passed a bill allowing counties to pass tax relief for seniors. Now, will the uh, the big government types in the counties uh, promote that? Will anybody in Greene County step forward and promote such a piece of legislation? Because now the ball is in their court. Uh once the bill becomes law, I don't think the governor has signed this yet. The deadline is rapidly approaching. Why wouldn't Mike Parson, who I believe would qualify for the benefits of this bill himself, why wouldn't he want to provide tax relief to his fellow seniors so they can all stay in their homes? We don't want people to leave Springfield. We don't want people to leave the Ozarks for the sunshine state of Florida. We want them to stay right here. But you know what? So many of these other states make it such make it make it much more easier to go there and live there and prosper there than we do here in Missouri. We still have relatively high. We have a million different taxing jurisdictions in this state. Everybody says Missouri has a low cost of living. Um, not really, not really, honestly, not really. I mean, our goods and services tend to be a little cheaper, but we have so many taxing. Have you ever looked at your real estate property tax bill and really analyzed it? Why are there so many entities listed on there? They're each dinging you every single year for a quarter cent here and a half a cent there and a tenth a cent here. You know, everything from state to county to city to sewer district, fire district, uh, special school districts, school districts in general, this district, that district, they're all, it, it's all, it all adds up. And there's been a lot of reports done on this. We could talk to the Show Me Institute about this next week that, that prove that Missouri, uh, government wise is not a very, uh, is, is not a low cost of living state. Anyway, long story short, Dennis Ganahl, on his own free time this year, came out of retirement. He was a citizen activist that I met like 12 years ago when I was in the legislature. Great guy. He passed a bill back then with former Senator Mike Gibbons to provide some property tax relief. Well, he came out of retirement this year. He had an idea last November. He came to me and he said, hey, Tim, would you, uh, he started coming to my center right meetings that I host here in the state for Americans for Tax Reform. And he said, you know, would you be part of this effort? And and, uh, you know, we're, we're looking for a bunch of great volunteers. You'd be a great spokesperson for this. And that's why we've had Dennis Ganahl on. And it was all pro bono. 
You know, I've done a lot. I do a lot of pro bono work in my life, right? If I was able to charge for all the pro bono work I did, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be, uh, I'd be uh, oceanfront somewhere, you know, maybe playing golf with Tiger down in Palm Springs. Uh, but I was happy to assist in this effort. And I'll tell you what, Dennis Ganahl, man, in one year, this guy got a bill passed, right? I mean, he's not in the legislature. Uh, he just worked his tail off with the legislature. A lot of our legislators here in Southwest Missouri helped him along the way. And, um, he got a bill passed. It wasn't, it wasn't the exact bill that he wanted. Uh, it wasn't, uh, it didn't go through as smoothly as we thought. But in one year, he came up with an idea, turned it into a legislative concept, got a bunch of legislators to support it, uh, got people to move it through the process and it became law. So now it's up to our counties to decide if they want to adopt this measure after the governor signs it or it becomes law. And then you seniors who are listening to me, and I know a lot of you do, you can then have tax relief uh, for your personal for your personal residences as well. So we'll explain all of the ins and outs and the the devil that's in the details on this with Dennis at eight fifteen. So I haven't talked about that as much, but that is one of the two pieces of positivity that came out of this legislative session. Not much more than that, to be honest with you. Maybe next year will be better. All right, let's get to our program today. Let's talk to, uh, we'll speak with uh, the folks I just mentioned earlier this morning. Cass, how you doing this morning? Everything good? Everything oh, well? Oh, just fantastic. Everybody Give me behaved some themselves peaches yes- and call me keen. <laughs> Everybody behaved themselves yesterday? Mostly. <laughs> you had State Representative um, Darren Chappell on yesterday, right? Oh, yeah. He's always a hoot. And he had on somebody that I can't believe we haven't had on before, Majority Floor Leader John Patterson. Yes. Who did yes. a nice job. Um, mm-hmm. And also um, State Representative Maisie Boyd and um, Alex Riley, who officially made the announcement that he is running for floor leader next year. We hadn't talked about that yet. Yes, I'm very excited about that. was a very badly kept secret. I feel like most people knew that, but he did say it on our airwaves, which I thought was nice. So yeah, he is going to run for um, what John Patterson is right now, and likely, I bet John Patterson runs for Speaker of the House. More likely than not. Be one of you, Timmy. That's right. More likely than not. In a, in a term-limited legislature, succession planning is extremely important, and I'm glad to see that the Missouri legislature has some really fine folks lined up for the future. And I'm hopeful that Alex Riley will bring back a more conservative bent to the Republican supermajority. They, I think that's one of the reasons. Look, folks, they have not passed a lot of very uh, – with, with, we have one of the largest supermajorities of Republicans in the country. And we haven't acted like it. We haven't nearly passed the, uh, the, the, the volume or the quality of bills that they have passed in other states with smaller Republican majorities. And I think it's because they have forgotten why they were there in the first place. And that is to be government reformers, right? Movement conservatives. We haven't seen a lot of that. We've seen a lot of people worrying about uh, their own futures and padding their own pockets. And what rate, what office are they going to run for next? versus making sure that common sense conservative legislation gets across the finish line here in our state. There has not been an effort on that. So, Don, there's something we can say about the Cardinals that we haven't been able to say about them in quite a while. Two words, winning streak. Yeah, but it ended yesterday. They had a four-game ah, winning streak. They played an I afternoon game, game in Washington. Night. Yeah, and they lost to the Nationals yesterday. Uh, three to nothing. They got shut out uh, by Washington. Miles Michaelis uh, took the loss for the Cardinals, but their offense just decided to take the day off. 
And uh, the Cardinals, by the way, have today and tomorrow both off before they open a two-game series at London Stadium in London, England with the Chicago Cubs. It's the MLB World Tour London Series 2023. Cardinals and Cubs playing uh, June the 24th and the 25th in London, England. Well, they had a winning streak. Yes, they did. <laughs> I think it was yes, four games, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, four games, yeah. Four. yeah. So, mm-hmm. But here's this big story, that division right now, Tim. The Cincinnati Reds have won 11 games in a row now and lead the National League Central by a game and a half over Milwaukee, who's been struggling. The Cubs have won eight out of ten. They're three and a half back. The Pirates are now in fourth place. They've lost nine in a row, and they're fading quickly. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up in the cellar uh, before it's all said and done after that hot start they had. And the Cardinals are nine games out uh, behind the Reds. The NL Central has to be the most bizarre division in baseball this year. <laughs> it has almost turned itself yeah, it has almost turned itself inside out and upside yeah. down twice during the season. So what a bizarre division. Yeah. Meanwhile, Atlanta running away with things in the NL East. Arizona running away with, well, not quite running away with things. They've got an amazing record, but San Francisco is hot on their heels. Yeah, 10 in a row for the Giants, by the way. Tampa Bay uh, taking care of business in the AL East. Minnesota uh, upside down in the AL Central, but yet leading the division. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else sucking behind them. Yeah. And uh, Texas uh, really crushing it in the AL West. Look at that. Everyone in the AL East is over 500. Everyone in the AL Central is under 500. Mm. I, think you, I, think you all, I think we all know where the strength in that division is with our poor Kansas City Royals <laughs> coming in currently at 20 and 54. Wow. 16 and a half games behind the below 500 league uh, <laughs> division leaders. Yes. Ugh, what a disaster of a division this year. Ugh, boy, boy. How are my, uh, you know, I have it. I, of course, I, I cheer for the St. Louis Cardinals, but having lived in New York for nearly 10 years, uh, you know, you can send your hate mail to me if you want, but I'm a big New York Yankees fan. I just, I love the franchise. I think it's an awesome franchise. Uh, uh, New York Yankees. Oh, they're, they're 41. They're, they're, uh, they're almost 10 games over 500 and they're nine and a half games back behind the Tampa Bay Rays. Unbelievable. Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, 52 and 25. Yeah. Wow. If the That's Yankees amazing. were in the National League Central, they'd be leading the division right now. So, yeah. There That's you go. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. 549 in the AM. Thanks for joining us this morning. Let's get going on. Let's get going with a national anthem. Cass, who do you have for us today? Ms. Kelly Clarkson. Very good. Let's uh, let's begin this morning as we begin every morning here in the land of the free because of the brave at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO with our national anthem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what's so
news and talk that matters to Springfield. The Department of Justice and the FBI, quote, failed to uphold their mission. 93 analysis, opinion. This is a crisis. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. sponsored the resolution, later censuring Adam Schiff. It passed last night with a 213 to 209 vote. Mr. Schiff exploited his position as chair of Intel Committee and every opportunity possible, threatening national security, undermining our duly elected president, and bringing dishonor upon the institution. The resolution adopted without objection. The motion to consider is laid on the table. Democrats are yelling shame there. Shame? For what? Did it In the resolution, did it also say, and he's an idiot? Because it should have. Adam Schiff told us, googly-eyed, pencil-neck, bizarre. Doesn't Adam Schiff look to you like, okay, on one hand, he looks like a total pencil-neck geek who got picked last in kickball his entire life. On the other hand, doesn't he also look like a serial killer? Like, he looks like the kind of guy who's got stuff tied up in his basement, doesn't he? He's just got that bizarre wild-eyed kind of woo-hoo-hoo kind of bizarre look to him, doesn't he? I mean, he's just a whack job. Yeah, and have you ever noticed how much Kevin McCarthy can sound like Trump sometimes? His cadence? Yes. Have you noticed that? Yes. That's that's kind of funny. The house moves to centrist Adam Schiff today. Millions and billions. (laughs) You've You've got a congressman. You've got a congressman from California and you've got a multi-billionaire real estate mogul from New York. How in the world do they sound alike? I but mean, they that is, do. What, they, they do. do. What a bizarre planet. Folks, do you remember? Do you remember the fact that Adam Schiff completely fell for a for for a prank for a complete Remember that? Remember when when the fake Russian pranksters called him yeah. and offered him compromising information on naked Trump? Cass, I don't know if they've scrubbed the internet completely of that phone call, but if you can find that at some point this morning, we need to play that. I'm going to remind people what it was. We don't have time to play it now, but it, back in um, back in uh, 2017, Adam Schiff was pranked by two Russian pranksters, notorious for making phone call prank phone calls to high-ranking indiv- individuals and celebrities in the past. Despite Schiff denying claims he fell for the prank, there's recorded audio of it. So that's that's the that's why you can't believe Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff said, Oh no, I didn't I didn't fall for that prank. He did. Two Russian pranksters nicknamed Volvan and Lexus, masquerading as a Ukrainian politician, placed a call to Adam Schiff, alleging they were in possession of compromising material against President Donald J. Trump. They offered Schiff compromat which means compromising documents gathered by two minor Russian celebrities on president Donald Trump's visit to Moscow in 2013. 
that according to the caller included naked pictures of Donald Trump, naked Trump. Adam Schiff totally fell for this. You could you you Dan Bongino plays the audio all the time. It's freaking hilarious. He's such a douchebag, Adam Schiff is. He's such an idiot. He's such a jerk. He never had anything on Donald Trump, and now he's been censored by the U.S. House. A badge of honor that he gets to carry with himself for the rest of his days because he's a moron. All right, we got to get out of here. We'll be right back with Tim's Top 3, Part 1, AACU Weather Update, and John Malcolm, 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. If you like to save money, have we got some deals for you, some fun for your family, a friend's night out, a treat for yourself. Visit ShopOzarks.com for a delicious way to spend a day with gift certificates up to 50% off from doggy-style hot dogs, retro metro, storming crabs, and many more local businesses up to 50 and producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. It's time for Team's Top 3. Ha-ha, Timmy! Well, as Cass and I were discussing in the earlier segment, Alex Riley, Missouri State Representative Alex Riley from right here in southwest Missouri, has made his official announcement for majority leader of the Missouri House. That that would potentially put him in line to be the next speaker. Very important for southwest Missouri to have people at the leadership table. Very critical indeed. Alex Riley, I think, would be a fine Majority leader, I think he has opposition right now. I'm not sure how many people are also seeking that spot. That election won't occur, though, for another year. They will hold that election after the uh, caucus that they'll have after the November 2024 election. So we got a ways to go. But, you know, you need a year and a half or so to campaign. You, you do that internally. You do that with the caucus. There's 111 Republicans currently in the House. So Alex needs to curry favor with a majority of them. He needs at least a simple majority. And so uh, that's that's a big task indeed when you've got Republicans scattered hither and yon all across the landscape here. So very important, very important development for Southwest Missouri. And uh, I think he'd be a fine floor leader in DD. All right, how about we do number two? Speaking of people who aren't fine, that would be Congressman Adam Shifty Schiff. I got to be careful when I say his name because I want to call him something else. Adam Schiff for brains. Careful, too. Who, uh, <laughs> who fell for the Russian prank offering the compromat on Donald. We have pictures of naked Trump. <laughs> I mean, this guy who told you for two and a half years that he had, he had evidence of Russian collusion. Rock solid, ironclad evidence. Still hasn't shown anybody. Him and Swalwell and the rest of the crew up there. Adam Schiff was censored by the U.S. House. And boy, did he deserve it. We'll break that down in just a momento. And how about we do number two, three, go, three. three. All of, ah, dizzy. Uh, All of that was because, in part because, we had a hearing up on Capitol Hill yesterday. John Durham exposing the fact that Crossfire Hurricane, which was the official intelligence operation to get Donald Trump. Yeah, we actually had an official intelligence operation to go after a president of the United States because we hated him, right? Show us the man, we'll show you the crime. That's what they do in third world dictatorships, not in the constitutional democracy, representative democracy of the United States of America. But the left wants to turn all of those issues on their head 
Meanwhile, Lauren Boebert, Congresswoman from Colorado, says that she's going to force the House to vote on a Biden impeachment vote. Why should she have to force them to do anything? Come on, McCarthy. I can think of 5,000 different reasons why Joe Biden should be impeached. Let's just do it and get it over with. You know what? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And that's Tim's Top 3, Part 1 on a Thursday, June 22nd, 2023, 6.09 a.m. in the Heartland. Hush up, boy. Ohio Silver! Away! Don't ever do that again. Sorry. <clears throat> we'll do it one more time this week, I promise. That would be tomorrow. So, Tim, question for you. Why was the vote so close at 213 to 209? Because the, so that means, was it was it uh, pretty much a party vote or were there Republicans who voted uh, uh, against it? You know, that's a great question. I need to uh, I need to check that out, Don. There may have been, so 213 to 209. Let's see, there's, it's actually, what is the count actually? I think it's 222. There's 220. I think there's 222 Republicans, right? Uh, so it pretty much was be, a party line vote then. It was. So I, there was people missing, Don, yeah. I'm guessing. So, yeah. Oh, six members voted present. There it is. There you go. Uh, no Democrats voted with the Republicans. Uh, let's see. The House of Representatives, this is a great question. The House of Representatives voted Wednesday, yesterday, to censure Adam Schiff for pushing claims that former President Donald Trump's 2016 campaign colluded with Russia. A vote that made Schiff just the third member of the House to be censored since the turn of the century. Now, I'm assuming they mean the turn of the 21st century. I'm so, so in the last, so in the last 23 years, only three people have been censored. I think some days we feel like we should censor all of them, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't we all, don't we all feel that? <clears throat> the resolution passed 2013 209, as Don said, every Republican voted for it. Okay except for six who voted present, who probably, Don, are in difficult districts, and they, of course, don't want to vote against it, but they didn't vote for gotcha. it. Gotcha. So. Okay, that explains it. Democrats gathered on the floor, as you heard in our sound clip coming in, or, um, no, I'm sorry, right before the break, uh, and chanted shame and disgrace. Yes. So since we've censored Adam Schiff, uh, are we saying in this censor motion that what he said was fake and phony? I think so. And so why are we continuing to say there are Democrats, there are people in the media all over Oh, on social media, which can often be a cesspool. People are convinced on social media that because Donald Trump may have once spoken to someone with a Russian last name in his life, that he therefore colluded with the Russians to affect the 2016 campaign. You know, the only collusion in the 2016 campaign was between Hillary Clinton the Democrats and steal regarding his dossier. That was the collusion. And a lot of that steel folks, do you realize that the information in that steel dossier came from foreign sources? It came from foreign intelligence, right? It was all put together. It was all fake and phony, but it was from, it was from various sources that were not us citizens. So the collusion in 2016 was between Hillary Clinton and foreign actors to try to sway the election. The only reason that the, the only people that the Democrats have to blame for the 2016 failure is not themselves. They need to blame their horrible candidate, Hillary Clinton. You know, it's amazing how, despite the fact that the Democrats and the left have most of the national media on their side every single day, Every hour of every single day, of every single month, of every single year, 
that they still can't get rid of Donald Trump and they still can't have Joe Biden leading in every single poll, right? You would think that with onslaught of negative coverage that Donald Trump has experienced, see, that's, that's, that's how bad some of their arguments are. The two most recent polls, and these are getting a little dated now, and these because they're only snapshots in time and every single news cycle, doesn't every single news cycle feel like it's seven days long, right? Every single 24-hour news cycle feels like it's got seven days of information in it. But, but the last major polls that we have available to us that take a national snapshot of people's opinions of Donald Trump versus Joe Biden were a Rasmussen report that was completed on June 14th and a Harvard-Harris poll that was completed on June 15th. So they're a week old, all right? They're not that old, but they are a week old. However, both of them show an identical result. You don't see that too often. Both of them show that the country right now favors Donald Trump over Joe Biden 45 to 39. Isn't that incredible? That is incredible. No matter what you believe about either of these people, you have to admit, if you're an honest human being, that Donald Trump gets nearly 99.9% negative coverage, news cycle in and news cycle out. And Joe Biden receives fawning protection from the mass media. Every once in a while, a Fox News reporter or somebody from Newsmax gets a zinger in. You know, there's lots of articles written about Biden, but you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, you know, the older generations that still watch the dinosaur and legacy networks or people that maybe don't have access to the full breadth of cable. Um, if you have cable, uh, MSDNC, CNN, you know, they're all, they're all, they're bashing Donald Trump. Shouldn't, why is Donald Trump, if, if he's such a horrible human being, if he's such a god awful person, if all of these investigations were real, Whereas Joe Biden's investigations never even hardly get started. And when they do get started, somebody runs over to the Department of Justice and works out a sweetheart deal like they did for Hunter. Why in the world would in two national polls Donald Trump be leading 45 to 39? It's because people know they're being fed garbage trucks full of lies every single day and twice on Sunday. Actually, 10 times on Sunday with all the Sunday morning talk shows, right? Isn't that amazing? The polls should be at least upside down, right? At the very least. Trump should n- has no business leading Joe Biden right now, considering everything I just said, but he still is. And that's because so many of you, even those of you who don't like Donald Trump, you realize that we are in a two-tiered system of justice here, and the media are uh, are, are largely purveyors of that. By the way, Tim, the All last, right. uh, the last uh, U.S. representative to be censured was just two years ago. Paul Gosar, Republican from Arizona, was censored for posting an animated video on social media depicting himself committing violence against Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and President Biden. Oh, that's right. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, that was that was funny. That was the Democrats that got him on that. And, yeah. you know, Don, there wasn't an outcry like there was for Schiff, of course. Right. You know. All right, it is 616 of the Heartland. Don Luzader is going to speak with uh, Jeff from AccuWeather next. We'll all be here as well to chime in. We're going to check out the weather for a Thunderdome Thursday as we head towards another summer. Actually, the first official weekend of summer. What lies ahead weather-wise? We'll find out from Jeff from AccuWeather after Don Luzader's traffic next here at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO.
Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. Overall, looking good on the streets of Springfield. Very pleasant conditions on your way in this morning. Want to let you know that the southbound Kimbrew Avenue will be closing to uh, through traffic between St. Louis and Elm Streets in downtown Springfield starting at 7 a.m. this coming Monday, June 26th, going uh, through 5 p.m. June 28th for city utilities to complete some utility improvements. Northbound traffic there on Kimbrew will remain open, but again, southbound Kimbrew will be closed during that time between St. Louis and Elm Streets downtown. Uh, you are advised. 3-3 and AM 560. Hey, that was the old regime. Who's going to go to jail for this? KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. It certainly is sunny, and it is summer now in the Ozarks, and Jeff from AccuWeather joins us, and Jeff uh, had a nice uh, first day of summer yesterday, and I guess uh, that pattern is going to uh, continue today. It very much is. We got a couple of days of blue skies and sunshine ahead and really nice uh, weather overall. I mean, temperatures are going to be at or above average going forward. uh, And that's really nice because, you know, we've been seeing temperatures trying and struggling to be around average. But overall, not too bad weather ahead to finish off the work week here. So today and tomorrow going to be mostly sunny, 87 to 89. In between overnight tonight, it's clear 63. Okay, that's not too bad at all. And then as we uh, head toward the end of the week, into the weekend, what can we expect? Well, as we head into the weekend, we're going to start seeing some uh, shower and thunderstorm activity popping up as we go uh, into uh, Saturday afternoon. And I'm going to see if I can time that out on our higher res. But unfortunately, it looks like the timing is uh, still too soon for the high res. So we'll we'll bring down the resolution, which still shows a good picture. Uh, So So Saturday, we're going to... low res, huh? (laughs) Low res, low res. (laughs) We don't get 4K all the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love using that when I get the, when I get the chance. Um, so Saturday is going to be a little bit lighter in terms of rainfall during the day, right. um, and then by the overnight, that's when we're going to see the more robust showers and storms. Now, is it going to be severe? There could be a possibility of that, um, but uh, it looks like ha- it has trended on the uh, lesser side of things. So we're just going to see you know, some good amount of rain, and then that's going to end on Sunday, leaving us, let's call it mostly sunny to partly sunny. Uh, with a stray shower or thunderstorm, temperatures are going to be much warmer. We're going to be at uh, 92 tomorrow on Saturday and then 97 on Sunday. So knocking on the door of 100 degrees. Wow. So during the day anyway, certainly not enough mm. to cancel your weekend plans. It sounds like uh, the majority of the, the, the rain is going to come during the night. Correct. Yeah. Late, late afternoon on Saturday and then overnight. Then by Sunday, it's gradually tapering off. And then as we go into uh, next week, any relief from that heat, or are we going to continue to see uh, those temperatures in the 90s and heat index readings close to 100? I was going to say just a teensy tiny bit of relief, not a lot. Um, so Monday ends up being sunny again. Temperatures will reach around 88, but then we're right back to 91, 95 on Tuesday and Wednesday. Now, if I'm going to, if I may, I'm going to take a quick peek at the. Uh, 
expected temperatures and you know, how it's going to yes. feel because of dew points. Uh, dew points at that point, so going into next week, they're going to be okay. So Monday, uh, we got them right around the low 50s, uh, staying there for Tuesday as well. And then when, uh, Wednesday starts seeing you know mid to upper 60s in some spots, even 70s. So Wednesday could be that day when it's like, ooh, kind of sticky. Yeah, well, you know, it is that time of the year. Overall, not too bad, though. We've been very fortunate, I think, with the humidity so far. Jeff, wanted to just quickly uh, ask you about uh, the, the situation down in Texas. I mean, uh, even though our weather is tranquil here right now, uh, violent weather continues to happen in our country, and I understand some devs were reported down in Matador, Texas, from a tornado. Yeah, unfortunately, there was some quite strong storms actually that pushed through. Uh, a couple of tornado reports, uh, mainly uh, in the panhandles around Lubbock. That's where the tornado activity uh, was reported, and it showed a rain-wrapped tornado, which is one of the more uh, dangerous types because you cannot see that coming. And I've actually experienced a couple of them myself. They are next to impossible to see, so... Um, you know, unfortunately, it did, you know, take some lives and actually take uh, people to the hospital because of some, you know, damage and stuff. Winds were pretty strong, too. Gusts up to uh, 65, 70. And then there was uh, one report that isn't letting me click on it. There we go. 85 miles per hour. Wow. And I saw some reports of some softball size hail. What a what a mess down there. But our thoughts right. uh, go, certainly go out to those people. Jeff, thank you again for the update. Uh, we'll talk to you again tomorrow and get the very latest. Sounds good to me. We'll see you for Friday. All right, that sounds good. We'll talk to you on Friday. And and uh, yeah. and t- and Tim, you know, we we talked about Convoy of Hope, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think mm-hmm. we're going to have Ethan Foreheads on uh, tomorrow. But tomorrow, uh, Sand Springs, Oklahoma, Convoy has now responded there, as well as Pascagoula and Moss Point, Mississippi. There was a derecho type event that hit the Tulsa area over the weekend because there are still significant power outages in that area. Uh, Convoy is working with a church in Sand Springs to distribute food to those in need because the grocery stores are still closed due to lack of power. Uh, Mississippi had another tornado hit there, uh, Moss Point and Pascagoula. Uh, very violent weather continuing into these uh, the end of the summer months here. Absolutely, indeed. Uh, and if folks want to help, Convoy of Hope is located right here in Springfield. So your dollars are not only assisting people around the globe, but they're flowing through a local organization. And yes, we're going to speak with Ethan Forhetz uh, tomorrow about all of these situations. You know, our weather, we're pretty blessed here. We, um, we, we made it through tornado season without too much damage. Yes. Um, although uh, you can talk to my insurance adjuster about that. I had plenty of <laughs> yeah. hail. We had some, but big overall, yeah. overall, not, not a lot of tornadic activity. Right. Now, everybody around us seemed to have gotten hit a lot harder. And so we thought we'd bring you up to speed on on that because Convoy of Hope, if you go to their website right now, you can see how busy they are. Uh, they're going near and far around the planet. Yes, they are. Indeed. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, <clears throat> I told you I was going to tell you about Bud Light. Uh, Bud Light um, seemingly in the news every single day. New story up this morning on The Blaze, theblaze.com. Bud Light marketing exec it, uh, says that the brand will recover but admits that the trans debacle is a wake-up call for all companies. Interesting. Maybe maybe corporate America is realizing that they need to get back to the business of providing excellent goods and services like we are known for here in the United States of America 
and leave the political campaigning to other people and to the professionals. You know, if the if the lunatic left wants to set up, continue to set up uh, dark money, 501c3 and c4 opera- operations and disperse their propaganda through that, and the right can do the same thing, and they can do that on a level playing field in the world, in the blood sport, in the arena of politics, then may the best, may the best advocate win, right? But to try to co-opt these companies who should be making beer, selling goods and selling, selling trinkets and other crap at Target, you know, uh, selling foodstuffs, selling lawnmowers, you know, whatever it might be. That's what you should focus on. I don't think anybody <clears throat> wants to walk into a local store or a big box store and get slammed over the head with political propaganda. You know what? I don't. I don't. And I, I make my life out of political propaganda. <laughs> I mean, that's what I do. That's what I do. I think I give you a lot of truth as well. Uh, not only, not only with what I do on radio and I've been prognosticating in the political public policy world on radio for, oh boy, 12 years now. You know, I started off doing hits in St. Louis when I was in the legislature with a guy named Jamie Allman, who uh, uh, when Nate Lucas had his show down here, had on several times. Uh, that's where I started. I just started doing inter- you know, that. That's how I got my start and uh, then kind of went up the ladder from there. But, you know, I also do it in my other projects. You know, I work for companies like Americans for uh, organizations like Americans for Tax Reform, American Legislative Exchange Council. You know, that's what I do. That's what I do. But I'm not selling beer. You know, I'm not selling children's clothing, you know, and so. My job and my colleagues on the left, I, I know I know plenty of Democrats who do what I do on the other side of the aisle. That's what we do. And people expect us to do that. And they, so you know what you get. I don't want to walk into. So as, as someone who's immersed in politics and public policy every day, when I go to the store to buy a gallon of milk or to pick up something for the weekend, I don't want to get beat over the head with political stuff. And that's coming from a person who does it 24-7. So I can only imagine what you all out there who listen to us and love to get your news and, and weather and sports from us. I'm sure you're deeply offended, not even about the subject matter, but the fact that they're doing it in the first place, right? No matter what the issue is. Well, I'm out of time right now, but I'll get back to this later. So apparently Anheuser-Busch has had a wake-up call. Maybe, maybe a few months too late about what they should have been doing, selling beer, versus what they were doing, pushing propaganda. All right, we're going to shift gears when we come back. We're going to speak to John Malcolm about the Durham investigation. What does the vice president of the Heritage Institutes, uh, of the Heritage Foundation's Institute for Constitutional Government, what did he think about the hearing on Capitol Hill and the censor of Adam Schiff yesterday? We'll talk about that and more when we return. Here at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO News. KWTO News time is 631 in Springfield this morning. We are off to a pretty warm start. 70 degrees sunshine today up to 86 degrees this afternoon. Two majors with the Salvation Army in Springfield are retiring. Major John and Chris Augenstein have announced their retirement. The couple has served as officers with the Salvation Army in Springfield for 28 years. Actually, they've served with the Army for 28 years. The last three have been in Springfield. The majors arrived in Springfield back in 2020. They plan to retire to their hometown in Janesville, Wisconsin, and spend time with their grandchildren. Man from Springfield's in custody for murder after questioning police about the details of a shooting. Investigators say Peyton Lafferty was brought in for questioning about the death of Jason Walker on Virginia Avenue June 15th, but was released when he left 
He asked officers about the shooting, giving details that only are known by authorities. He is charged with second-degree murder and armed criminal action. The Springfield-Green County Health Department is offering free Impox vaccines to at-risk individuals. Health officials say those people in close proximity to someone with Impox are those that they're targeting. Uh, the virus is traditionally spread through close physical contact, including sex. A list of locations to get vaccinated can be found at vaccine417.com. The Green County authorities looking for a woman wanted for possession. Of illegal aliens have been released into our communities. 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. In that answer, and so many others, what it really betrayed is exactly what he accused the FBI of, and that is confirmation bias. You could really see his bias into thinking that what the Trump campaign did was fine, uh, that he wasn't going to call it collusion, uh, even though there is no other name uh, for what the Trump campaign tried to do. But he clearly didn't want to provide any answer that he thought um, belittling uh, of the former president, and really in doing so betrayed the bias that he had. Even our studio audience thinks that's absolutely a hoot. That was the censored Adam Schiff continuing to talk about things that have no basis in reality. Let's see if our next guest agrees with me on that or not. He is John Malcolm, Vice President for the Institute for Constitutional Government and the Director of the Mies Center at the Heritage Foundation at Malcolm underscore John on Twitter. John, thanks for joining us once again here on KWTO. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to be with you. I wasn't expecting uh, to wake up, and the first thing here is my law school classmate, Adam Schiff, uh, putting down the uh, the Durham report. Uh, so, yes, he's now the censored Adam Schiff, but he may soon be Senator Adam Schiff. Mm, your your law school classmate, John. What was yep. what is what was Adam Schiff like back then versus now? Same guy, different you know, guy. Well, I didn't know him terribly well. I, I went to Harvard, which is a very, very large law school, and he was not in. It's divided into sort of four sections, and you get to know the people in your section the best. And he wasn't in mine, but I know a lot of people who were close to him. I remember when he first ran for the House against Jim Rogan, who had been part of the Clinton impeachment team. You know, getting stuff from all of my classmates. Oh, Adam's standing for the truth, and we need to give him money. And you know, I gagged then, and I get the same emails now. Uh, now that he's running for the Senate in California, and I gag now, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. John, I mean, uh, who's right here? Uh, is Adam Schiff correct or is uh, John Durham correct here? I mean, I, I, after all these years, if he's if Adam Schiff has this rock-solid, ironclad evidence of Trump collusion, I think we're all trying to – he keeps and he keeps saying that he does. I think we're all trying to figure out what that is. Yeah, look, it's hard to say. So when he was questioning John Durham yesterday, I only watched a little bit of this, but the the thing that he was honing in on was there was a meeting in Trump Tower while the campaign was going on. Don Jr. was there, and I forget who else was there. And there was some uh, Russian guy who had, as the premise for getting the meeting, had said, oh, I've got dirt on Hillary Clinton, and I'm going to give it all to you. And so they had, I think Jared Kushner was at this meeting, too. So they had this meeting. Turns out that was a complete ruse. They wanted to talk about a a human rights 
uh, act that the U.S. government has against uh, mm. against Russians. It, but but Adam Schiff was like, oh well, they had they had this meeting under the understanding that this was Rus- a Russian official who was going to be giving him dirt, and that's evidence of collusion. And John Durham sat there and said, you know, people make BS claims all the time about having dirt on on opponents, and they make these claims, and you know that's not. You know, that's not illegal. You know, it's unseemly. I wouldn't have had that meeting. You know, shame on them. But illegal? Don't think so. Whether if mm-hmm. he had something else in mind, I don't know. The bad thing was he, at the time, had all sorts of information to, cl- to classified information because he was in the House Intelligence Committee. And he would come out and basically say, oh, I've seen the goods. You know, trust mm-hmm. me, there was collusion going on and it turned out to be nothing there was nothing there yeah the sound of one hand clapping does not collusion make that is for sure uh john on the other hand and folks by the way we're speaking with john malcolm vice president of the institute for constitutional government at the heritage foundation john on the other hand uh durham's report had has so much more in it that the media refuses to focus on and that's including the fact that he uncovered a massive amount of political bias at the FBI and in some of our other intelligence agencies. That is what we should be focused on, right, John? Because we don't want the FBI or the Department of Justice or any of our institutions that we used to hold in such high regard. We don't want them biased one way or the other, do we? Yeah, no, that is that is absolutely correct. So John Durham discussed all of this in, in great detail. And before him, the inspector general at the Department of Justice, Michael Horowitz, uh, had also discussed all of this. You had uh, people like Lisa Page and and Peter Strzok, you know, the guy who, with whom she was uh, having an affair. Uh, they're communicating with each other about, you know, they have to stop Trump and Trump is terrible. And, you know, you can go see all of his supporters by hanging out in a parking lot at Walmart. You know, just, they're really just terrible things. And these were the people who were making very critical decisions about you know, what investigation to undertake, what investigations they should leave alone. Should they open up a preliminary investigation or a more broad-ranging investigation that allows them to use more intrusive spying techniques? You know, they should have had nothing to do with this. And yet they were, they and others like them, including the, the you know, the FBI lawyer who was convicted of lying on a FISA application. He at one point uh, says that he is he's part of the I forget with a revolution or something against uh, against Trump, uh, and you know these are people who are making critical decisions in what was perhaps the most politically sensitive sensitive investigation the FBI has undertaken certainly in years, if not in its history. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Disturbing stuff indeed, John. As a uh, as you being a former federal prosecutor, uh, I'd love to get your opinion as well on the results of the five-plus-year-long investigation of Hunter Biden. We've got the, as Miranda Devine aptly called it, the laptop from hell. And, John, all they could come up with was two misdemeanor violations and a diversion of the felony drug charge. I would call that a slap on the wrist, but what say you? Yeah, no, look, it it certainly is. One thing that's a little confusing to me is that as soon as this happened, the U.S. attorney in Delaware, who's been running this investigation, said, oh, our investigation is continuing. Hunter Biden's lawyer said, nope, it's done. Uh, yeah, so two misdemeanor charges for, you know, not even uh, felony charges for income tax evasion. He didn't pay taxes. Over he owed over $100,000 each year that he didn't pay taxes. But for, you know, failing to file a tax return. And then a pretty serious charge. Uh, in fact, it's such a serious charge that President Biden signed into law 
uh, a, a bill that ramped up the penalty for this particular provision that Hunter Biden violated from a 10-year felony to a 15-year felony. And he is getting a, a, a pre, so what he lied about, what he, what he got convicted of or is getting diverted for is, uh, when you fill out a background check form, you're supposed to check that you are, you know, haven't been convicted of a crime and also that you're not addicted to or using, uh, controlled substances. And he clearly was. And he's getting a diversion program, which means that he'll get a period of probation, possibly a fine. And if he completes that period of probation without any further violations, the charges get dismissed. So he won't even have a criminal record for that charge, assuming he completes a diversionary program. And the misdemeanors, you know, they've already agreed to probation. So he's a wealthy guy at this point. He'll pay whatever fine, do, do a couple mm-hmm. of years of probation, and that'll be that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John, this is incredibly unusual, right? I mean, the federal sentencing guidelines would, I believe, have you serve prison time, right, for most of these charges of some sort of minimum. He is getting an, un- he's getting an unusual sentence or a lack thereof, isn't he? Yeah, well, the guidelines are are now they used to be binding on district court judges. And they are now just guidance. Uh, I, you know, misdemeanor charges to get probation. I, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what the guidelines would say about the tax charges. Certainly, there would be uh, a prison time for any kind of a gun charge. But as I say, he's not pleading guilty to that. He will be determined to be guilty if he violates the conditions of the diversionary program. But I assume he won't. And when he completes that that charge will be dismissed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. John Malcolm with the Heritage Foundation, our guest here this morning. John, thanks so much. This we'll, we'll see. We'll see who's right here. Will this, will the Hunter Biden saga be over or will it continue to do a developing story? We'll probably have lots more to talk about on that front in the weeks and months ahead. John, thanks so much for joining us today. Good to be with you, Tim. Yeah. Thank you very much as well. I could have talked to John for a lot longer, but it's six forty-six in the AM, which means We've got to roll on. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, we can take your phone calls next. We do have an open segment. 417-866-0933. Give us a holler if you'd like this morning here on this fantastic summer Thursday morning. 417-866-0933. Tim's Top 3, Part 2 at 705. Dakota Wood of the Heritage Foundation to talk about the dangers of an ever more rising and provocative China. Spy bases 90 miles from our shores. You know... I think in my memory banks, I remember learning about a communist nuclearized power setting up a a home base in a little island 90 miles from our shore. Yeah, I think there was a big deal about that back in the 50s or 60s. Maybe we'll have to look that up. All of that straight ahead, 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. No major slowdowns to tell you about right now in the Springfield area down in McDonald County, Highway 76 in Tiff City between the Missouri-Oklahoma line and Highway 43, as well as uh, Highway F in McDonald County between Lone Dove Road east to Missouri 59 in Anderson. There's going to be some lane closures and traffic delays on Route 76 and Route F beginning next week. Uh, that work will be taking place from 6 in the morning until 6 in the evening. Some Americans, someone do something about it. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. It could be on a Friday night. A pair of jeans that fit just right And the radio um, I think of those two frogs You know the two frogs in the two pots So <laughs> for, you, for your listeners, here it goes So 
There are two pots of water and two frogs. And in one pot, you put the frog in the water and you slowly turn up the heat. And that frog's just hanging out as the heat just slowly gets hotter to the point that that water starts to boil and that frog perishes. In the other pot of water, you first turn up the heat real high. The water's boiling, you drop that frog in, he'll jump right out. The lesson there, as far as I'm concerned, don't be that first frog. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Damn. <laughs> Is that appropriate for children to hear? Like, she, I hope she's not reading that kind of stuff to kids. <laughs> it kind of sounded like Kamala Harris Story Hour, didn't it? it did. I mean, what yeah. was that? Do we have any idea like, of the context of that cast? Why in the world was Kamala Harris talking about frogs in boiling pots of water? <laughs> Do we ever know why she does what she does? Does the no. context ever matter with her? Because she just kind of says. <laughs> Usually doesn't. Whatever. <laughs> and and why every time she's getting, she is the she is one of the most uncomfortable in her own skin people I've ever come across, right? Like, she seems so unsure about everything. Like, when she first starts telling the story, she's, she's always, like, really giddy about everything. Oh, you know, I'm going to tell you about the frogs. It's like. Okay, just calm down and tell me about the yeah, frogs and the pots did. of water. <laughs> yeah, everything's always like, she's always like just on the edge of like giggles, you know? I'm just like, I don't know. Why are you so giggly, lady? You know, what is the problem? She talks to everybody like they're toddlers. She talks yes. to grown adults. She talks to the nation. She talks to the United States of America as a whole. As if we are all about six years old and we're interested in spaceships and yellow school buses and frogs that die in pots of water. I just don't understand. Yeah, Don, we're just we're just assuming she was talking to children there. She may have been talking she wasn't. to the she was on a for po- all we know. She was on a podcast with somebody else. Oh, she was Oh, she was on a podcast. Yeah, doing an interview with a grown adult. So Okay. Uh, okay. We're talking about frogs. Just hope the, the kids didn't of- have to hear about the boiling frogs though. Yeah. There's a uh <clears throat> there's a PSA <clears throat> that used to run. Maybe it runs still sometimes on the weekends or late at night that I've heard sometimes on our station. Um, it's the one about, uh, it's, it's a, it's a serious PSA. It's about the military and veterans and, you know, don't be, don't be a frog. You know, have you guys heard that one where it's like, don't be a frog. And they talk about the pot of boiling water. You know, I'm just like, what is she talking about though? Like that PSA <laughs> makes sense. We just listened to 30 seconds of Kamala Harris. And 38 her, seconds. Well, her 38 ex, seconds of yeah. Kamala Harris. Her explanation at the end was not something profound. It was, right. what I got from that was, don't be the first frog. By the way, she may have, uh, she obviously yeah. recited this several different times, but in the official White House uh, transcripts uh, at whitehouse.gov, uh, she made remarks in a moderated conversation with the Service Employees International Union back on June the 6th. And that same story was told uh, looking at the transcript of those remarks. Uh, wow. I must have been clairvoyant this morning because I said Teamsters. That's pretty close to the service there workers. There you go. Wow. So she was speaking to union mm-hmm. people. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. Hey, came across an interesting stat this morning. <clears throat> um, the U.S. has the third highest murder rate in the world. Not good, right? Not good at all. I guess that's amongst all countries. The U.S. has the third highest murder rate in the world. However, the stat goes on. If you remove murder rate statistics from these five cities or locations. Chicago. 
Chicago, you got it. Okay, there's one. So, okay, five, you get you get five locations or cities. Chicago's one. You want to guess what the other, any of the other four are? Hmm, Springfield. <laughs> no. Not yet. Not yet, but you're you're getting warmer. St. Louis. St. Louis is one. Uh-huh. You got two of the five. Hmm. Gas, come on, help me out. Springfield. No, stop saying <laughs> No, we already did Springfield. Crime capital of about, I'll give you a hint. The Midwest. City of brotherly love. Oh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia is one of the five. Detroit. So we got, you got one. Yep, that's number Baltimore. four. One left. Baltimore. One left. We talk about it all the time. We do? Every day. Almost oh, every segment. Oh, San Francisco. No. Other side of the country. D.C.? You got it. Yes. I was going to say D.C. I was thinking D.C. Yep. There you go. Wow. So if you remove those five locations, Chicago, Detroit, D.C., St. Louis, Philadelphia, we go from the third highest murder rate in the world to 189th out of 193 countries. All five of those locations we just discussed have incredibly strict gun control laws and are controlled by Democrats. Fact check it. That's what the stats is. I'll retweet this little. Who would ever want to move to Detroit? I mean, the other cities have something to bring them in, but places like Baltimore and Detroit, they just seem like cesspools of sadness. Yeah, they largely have been. Now, Detroit allegedly hit rock bottom a couple years ago, and they're starting to rebuild it, believe it or not. They like literally, I they may have declared bankruptcy. If they didn't declare bankruptcy, they were bankrupt, and they like have turned themselves around a bit. That's why they're not as much in the news, but yes, they still have issues. And all of those cities, I mean, there's so much commonality between Chicago, Detroit, DC, St. Louis, and Philadelphia. Uh, they're, they've been, they've all been run by Democrats, ruined by Democrats for the last 50, 60, 70 years, and they all have incredibly strict gun control laws. So when people say, oh, well, the red states have all of these problems. No, it's the blue cities run by Democrats in these red states. And by the way, Chicago is in Illinois. So blue state, Blue, blue state, blue city. Okay. Detroit's in Michigan. Michigan has a, a Democrat governor. So Detroit, blue city, blue state. DC, blue and blue and blue, you know, pretty much surrounded by blue. St. Louis is the only one that happens to be a blue city and a red state. Philadelphia, blue city, blue state. Four of the five blue places in, it, it's all blue, 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 destroyed by Democrats. So, eh, Take all the guns away, folks, and you're still going to have murders in these places. They'll use something else, okay? It's not a gun problem. It's a people problem. It's a culture problem. Politics is downstream from culture. If we don't fix our culture, we're never going to fix our politics, and our culture seems to be going the wrong way. Wow, just like that. Seven o'clock hour, six o'clock hour, nearly in the can. Seven o'clock hour straight ahead. Tim's top three, part two at 7.05. Dakota Wood at 7.15, talking about an ever rising China and more. All that straight ahead, 93.3 AM 560. KWTO. Fox Across America. We all live in this country together. One of us doesn't get a free pass. You know, why do you think people are moving out of liberal cities? It's not because they suddenly turned Republican. It's because they've realized they've been failed by the things they voted for. Hey, the taxes are really high. But you know what's even higher than that? The crime. Who the hell wants to pay more to get mugged more? Not me. I'm heading to Florida. One, you better be there. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Join me weeknights from 9 to midnight on KWTO. 
it's time for Team's Top 3. Hi-ho, Tiny Timmy! Away! One! Well, it's Tim's Top 3 Producer Cast Takeover Edition, of course. Number one has to be that, unfortunately, this is very sad news. The um, Ocean Gate, the Titanic Gate, the submersible, basically, tin box that they sent a bunch of people down to see the Titanic wreckage in um, is probably out of oxygen by now. It had 96 hours worth of oxygen, and um, it's been 96 hours, and they still have not found this submersible our thoughts and prayers are with everybody involved and number two well adam shift has been censured by representative anna paulina luna who is a freshman by the way and she's been making some big waves in the media world because she's been on fox news a lot which is rare for a freshman congresswoman or congressperson congressman anybody really um, it takes a while to get to that level of, you know, notoriety, but she decided to jump in with a splash and try to take out Adam Schiff, which I think was genius, if I do say so myself. You're a genius. And number three. Well, State Representative Alex Riley, who is a frequent flyer on our show. He's filled in for Tim many a time. He has been on the show many a time. He has announced that he is going to run for majority floor leader next year. And I think that's awesome. We love Alex Riley and we wish him nothing but the best. And that's Tim's Top 3 Producer Cast Takeover Edition. It's 7.08 a.m. right here on Wake Up Springfield. I owe Silver! Away! Don't ever do that again. Sorry. I'll try not to. By the way, uh, the... uh, the, Well done, Cass. Very well done, Cass. The banging noises that we were talking about yesterday that uh, that were heard, um, the Coast Guard has clarified that they still do not know the source of that noise. They said it could have been any number of things. I think everyone was getting their hopes up that the banging noises that they were hearing every 30 minutes uh, was coming from that sub. But now um, they're saying that they never uh, determined the source of the noise. Mm. That is really horrible. I mean, uh, the air supply is pretty much exhausted at this point in time right yeah i mean yeah i think it's pretty much shot so it's very sad but <laughs> what a horrible i don't know <clears throat> maybe they've got a better explanation for why this is a good idea it just doesn't seem like one to me i'm sorry i'm not an oceanographer it's probably the thing i know the least about i love going to the ocean and sitting on the beach you know but uh going um thousands of feet under the sea in what's essentially a really fancy sealed trash can doesn't seem like a really good idea, you know, like this thing. It, what What is this thing? I mean, OK, it has an oxygen supply. It Can it maneuver itself? Can it like can it propel itself at all? It just it just seems like, man, it seems like it seems like you're leaving a lot of things to chance, I guess, is my point here. And and it's not like you're in like the nice, clear, calm waters of the Caribbean outside of hurricane season. You know, it, it, you're in you're in the North Atlantic, and I do know enough about the oceans um, that <laughs> they're they're not all the same. And my understanding is the North Atlantic is a really rough. I mean, that, that freaking Titanic went. That's where it went down, right? Is that that's where the, the Bermuda whole Triangle is. 
Uh, do what? Isn't that the, the North Atlantic? Isn't that where the Bermuda no. Triangle is? No. Oh. Bermuda is not anywhere near the North Atlantic. Ber- oh, well, Bermuda mind. Triangle is <laughs> down near Bermuda, which is in near the... Near the I guess the I should have guessed that based <laughs> on the name <laughs> Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> well, <sighs> that's another location cast that I wouldn't like put my sails up in. You know? You're a genius. So, mm-hmm. so, I mean, let's think about this. What they were doing was they were going to see the wreckage of the Titanic. The Titanic was called the ship that could not be sunk, okay? It was supposed to be the 10th wonder of the world or whatever, you know? And it was it was supposed to be this hardened ocean liner vessel. Well, a freaking iceberg took it down. They ran into an iceberg. It breached the hull, and it went down in the, nor- in the chilly waters of the North Atlantic in, in very, very deep water. The reason we've never brought that, never even attempted to bring the Titanic up is because it's like freaking impossible. But yet, you know, you've got, I, I, I understand wanting to have voyages to these things, but haven't, I think in past explorations, they've been largely robotic motorized craft. This thing seems just like a giant tin can, you know, I don't know. It's just, it just doesn't seem like a good idea. You know, and what a shame. How horrible. So it is what it is. And we'll see if they, we'll see if they can recover this wreckage not, uh, next. Um, 15 hours ago, uh, <clears throat> let's see, 15 hours ago, they were reporting the oxygen reportedly may run out Thursday morning. Well, that's now. That's now. Um, da, da, da. They said, yeah, the, 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 the noises could be anything. Um, they've sent all kinds of vessels. I mean, you've got like, you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars at this point, maybe millions of dollars to try to rescue this thing. Um, yeah, due to the size and remoteness, this is what I was looking for due to the size and remoteness of the search area, larger than the state of Connecticut on the surface and over two miles deep. Yeah. Efforts to locate the vessel are complicated, says NPR. <laughs> That's a word NPR would use to describe this. Efforts to locate the vessel are complicated. It's hard NPR. to imagine sometimes how deep the ocean is, miles yes. deep, <clears throat> because, you know, it's hard to fathom that big of a body of water. I mean, none of us really Massive. have. I mean, when we go to the ocean, when we go to the beach, we're standing in like four feet of water. Yes. And you're looking at a sliver of it. Um, <clears throat> several commercial vessels have joined the effort, including a ship that's actually designed to lay pipes on the ocean floor. Okay, that thing's probably useful. Combined with the resources from the Canadian and U.S. Coast Guard, at least three of the vessels on site or en route are capable of deploying remotely operated diving robots. But again, they may be looking for a needle in a haystack at this point. One Canadian Coast Guard ship on the scene, the John Cabot, has side-scanning sonar capabilities as well. Also en route is the Canadian ship Glace Bay, which contains a mobile decompression chamber and is staffed with medical personnel. The design of the submersible... Here it is, Cass. The design, what you talked about earlier. The design of the submersible, called Titan, allows it to be unsealed only from the outside, Right. NPR said, adding that the passengers would need outside help to emerge from it. They were sealed in a watery tomb. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, for the love of God. Uh, 
The outlet added, oh, listen to this. Listen to how lovely this is. The outlet added that the former, that a former passenger of the Titans, this is like the third voyage for this thing. A former passenger of the Titans said traveling in it was like being in, quote, a minivan without seats and noted that its interior design relies on off-the-shelf parts, including a video game controller for steering. Ocean Gate offers tourists who pay $250,000 per person an underwater voyage to explore the remains of the Titanic after traveling 380 miles offshore and 2.4 miles below the surface, NPR said, adding that a full trip can take eight days and include multiple dives. This does not sound like a good time. One other quick thing for you here. Uh, There was a writer on The Simpsons, the show The Simpsons, named Mike Reese, R-E-I-S-S, who has been on the uh, Titanic submersible. And uh, he says, if it's down at the bottom, I don't know how anyone's going to be able to access it. He explained that he had gone on three different dives with the company Ocean Gate Expeditions and they almost always lost communication. He says, I got on the sub, and at the back of my mind was, well, I may never get off of this thing. That's always with you. And apparently, one of the last episodes he produced of The Simpsons uh, was actually... uh, They always know. The Simpsons predict everything. So apparently, uh, there was an episode called Simpson Tide involving Homer and company getting stuck on a damaged submarine. Wow. I'm telling you, the Simpsons have predicted every major world event. They really have, especially in America. They predicted Trump becoming president years before Trump ever even walked down the escalator. This is kind of bizarre. This this is a thing. Yes, it is. It's a whole conspiracy theory. I I may believe it. Start watching The Simpsons for our news. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get to a break. When we come back, we'll talk about submersibles. We'll talk about China building bases off uh, the shores of the U.S. and more with Dakota Wood, our international research phenomenon, who will join us next here at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. Really heavy traffic volume in Springfield. Folks getting to work this morning. I-44, Highway 65. I'm looking at the cameras there right now. Uh, Lots of traffic both in west and eastbound on the interstate. But uh, doesn't leave Joe Biden, doesn't have a plan. 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen-Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. The U.S. Coast Guard says a Canadian surveillance plane picked up some type of underwater sounds, but a Coast Guard captain says they cannot confirm reports that those sounds were happening in 30-minute intervals and also could not confirm those sounds were banging or tapping. The Coast Guard captain says the recordings were turned over to the U.S. Navy for analysis and underwater robots were sent to the area where those sounds came from. An ocean science expert who's assisting the Coast Guard says the noises sounded like banging but could have come from various sources, including a nearby ship. Oh boy, let's talk to our next guest about that and lots more. Super spy. Super spy! Super spy! 007. 007, me. License to kill. Your name's Bond. James Bond. 
There you go, Dakota. That's what producer Cass thinks of you. She thinks you're a very mysterious <laughs> person. <laughs> it's the highlight of my week every week. It just cracks yeah. me up. <laughs> Dakota Wood, our international man of mystery, also a senior oh research God. fellow for defense programs <laughs> at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, Dakota, the uh, yep. I've been trying to explain to our listeners like the the needle in the haystack kind of effort mm-hmm. going on here. Dakota, the North Atlantic is not something to be trifled with, is it? No, it, it isn't. Uh, if you saw that movie a while back with Tom Hanks called Greyhound, and it was the escorts of the uh, convoys that went from the U.S. to Europe uh, during World War II, it was a really good depiction of that North Atlantic area. Very stormy, very gray, uh, cold. The undersea currents are a huge, huge issue, which directly affects you know, this uh, submersible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Dakota, do you know anything about this, this submersible vehicle at all? It doesn't, I don't know. It seems to me like it was, uh, you're being kind of sealed into a tin can and thrown two and a half miles into the ocean. I just, I, the whole thing doesn't seem like a good idea to me, but I'm not an oceanographer. Well, you know, this team wanted to do a lot of innovative experimental sorts of things, withdrew a lot of criticism from that industry. They refused to have their subs certified according to various standards because they thought the certification process was too bureaucratic or take too long, but then you get results like this, right? So normally people think you get inside the submarine of any type, and you you turn a little um, uh, wheel that seals the hatch in place. None of that exists on this one. The occupants get in there. There's a bunch of bolts that bolt in place, a top cover, and you can't open anything from, from inside. Now, you know, if you're 500 feet or 5,000 feet under the water, you're not going to open the hatch anyway. So one could say it's irrelevant. But uh, the whole getup, uh, no distress uh, beacon, no locator beacon, um, no ability to really modify its ballast at all, uh, four very small electrically uh, driven impellers for maneuverability, but you don't need a lot of speed on the ocean for uh, made of uh, carbon fiber, which is very light and very strong compared to steel, that it could also be very brittle, um, even if it's five inches thick. So mm. even on, mm. a, on a nuclear-powered submarine, when you go down underwater, the pressures are tremendous. And you go down, come up, go down, come up, it starts flexing that material, and you get fatigue uh, stresses in that, and it, it's in danger of collapsing. The company refused to do non-destructive inspection of its vessel after these dives, you know, presumably to save money. So I think it was a very risky adventure. Uh, even that viewing port window was only certified to 1,300 meters, and yet the vessel was going to go to near 4,000 meters. Oh, so boy. there were a lot of points of vulnerability on this thing. Well, it sure sounds like it. It sure sounds like it indeed. Folks, we're speaking to Dakota Woods, Senior Research Fellow at Defense Programs uh, at the Heritage Foundation. Dakota, I want to follow up on a, a story that continues to be developing. You know, I, I think sometimes the media takes snapshots of things and then moves on so they don't have to talk about it mm-hmm. anymore. But, Dakota, this situation of communist China and Cuba being in talks on all sorts of things uh, uh, co- uh, coming to the little island of Cuba, 90 miles offshore mm-hmm. from Florida, new military training sites, a potential spy center. Dakota, whatever it is they're up to, None of it's good for the United States of America, is it? 
No, I mean, it, it isn't. I think it's a cash cow for Cuba to have China interested in it. When the Soviet Union went away, it, it lost that huge benefactor. All the money that the Soviet Union provided to Cuba, all that was gone. So it's got an agrarian economy. You know, nobody buys a Cuban refrigerator, right? So um, they're always looking for sponsors and kind of a pariah state. So China, for China, to get a listening post there to conduct signals, intelligence, and collection, it covers the entire southeast part of the United States, and you have all of these military bases down in that part of the world. So a, a very good vantage point for the Chinese, and it's really an opportunity for both the continuing Castro regime, right, the brother uh, there in Cuba, and China to thumb their nose at the United States. You know, we're mm-hmm. operating 90 miles from you. You don't have any kind of military facilities on Taiwan, and so this kind of game of you know one-upsmanship and all, but but it, it bodes ill for the future. Mm-hmm. And Dakota, you know, this was before most people's time. That's probably listening to us. Not everybody, but uh, for most people, mm-hmm. or you were, or people were much younger. But Dakota, we've kind of seen this motion picture before, haven't we? Back yep. in the 1960s, there was a little something called the Cuban Missile <laughs> Crisis. There's a lot of echoes down through the uh, decades on this, isn't there? Right. The U.S. and NATO allies, we had a bunch of nuclear weapons uh, reportedly in uh, Turkey and in locations closer to the Soviet Union. So the Soviets uh, were starting to move uh, nuclear weapons onto the island of Cuba uh, that close to the United States. It was just you know, we couldn't allow, allow that to happen. This was when John F. Kennedy was president very early in his administration. So it was also seen as a test of Kennedy's uh, uh, presidency by by the Soviets. Uh, We cordoned the island with a bunch of naval ships, daring the Soviet fleet to try to break through that, and things were on a knife edge. I mean, this was a day when you had bombers uh, in the air 24 hours a day, seven days a week, carrying nuclear weapons. I mean, it was a really dicey situation. The Soviets eventually backed down, but afterwards, when a lot of files were released, it was likely due to the fact that we also agreed to remove some of our weapons uh, from parts of Europe. And again, I think it was uh, Turkey at, at that time. But yeah, we have kind of come to the edge of the abyss uh, once before, and it depends on how much you know China wants to do in, in Cuba and, and how strongly we respond to that. <clears throat> Dakota, uh, can you give us a sense of how how strong of a nuclear power is China? What 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 it's it's from what we know, what does mm-hmm. its arsenal d- entail? Uh, most reports say they have about a hundred uh, nuclear tipped missiles in silos in the ground uh, there in China, but they are expanding that field of silos. Is the big tubes? you know, holes drilled into the ground with launch facilities to, to 300. So they're in the process of tripling their land-based uh, capabilities. They also have submarine uh, launch ballistic missile capabilities, and they have air launch, so things that you could put on a bomber or something and deliver. There are only three countries in the world that have bomber fleets, the Russians, the Chinese, and the United States. So it tells you what a small club that is, but it's important enough to them to have that capability to invest that time and energy. Mm-hmm. And Dakota, you know, I don't know that they necessarily need Cuba as a uh, spying location. Look, they can just send balloons mm-hmm. over our country. We don't do anything about it. Or or they can just infiltrate the uh, congressional offices of Democratic uh, congressmen, right? Uh, <laughs> or bring so, people across the southern border. I mean, there's all kinds yeah, of <laughs> Yeah, I mean, take your pick, right? But it's it's the Chinese are really into symbolism and and that's and yeah. and and messaging, aren't they, Dakota? They I mean they're a they're they're a centuries and centuries old 
uh, civilization. So they they play the long game. So whether or not they really be using Cuba as any kind of actual spy, that's kind of beside the point. It's the symbolism of them parking themselves on our doorstep, right? I think it's really an important point that you make there. I mean, it's both. You know, you want the ability to collect intelligence on your opponent. Uh, but yes, in the court of you know world perspectives and all that stuff, the, the Chinese are doing that to us. The sail a balloon across the country, uh, you know, they harass everybody else's fishing fleets in uh, the Pacific. They're uh, making inroads into Latin America, a lot of Central American and uh, South American countries. Uh, what is the United States' response to that? So, in the perceptions of power, influence, confidence, competence. You know, they're in the leadership. Uh, you know, China has got a leg up on us, I think, in many of those areas. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. Excellent, fascinating discussion. Dakota Wood with the Heritage Foundation at Heritage on Twitter, heritage.org. Dakota, thanks so much for all of your insight and analysis. And uh, we always look forward to playing that theme song every week. Well, <laughs> share it with my, my kids, and they love it. <laughs> yeah, very good. Thank you Take so care. much, Dakota. We'll talk to you soon. Right. Goodbye. <clears throat> All right, Dakota Wood there with the Heritage Foundation. So uh, Fox News reporting some breaking news here as we go to break here. Underwater robot reaches ocean floor as oxygen levels dwindle. The Coast Guard says that a French ship is also launching their own robot to search for Ocean Gate's Titan sub. So the robots have reached the ocean floor. That's the only thing I'd be putting on the ocean floor, not myself, that's for sure. We'll see if they can come up with the Titan submersible or not. We'll keep you updated on that and more. It's about to become 7.30 here in the heartland. That means it's time for Don Luzader's local news you need to know. And then at 7.45, we're going to speak to Jamie Holstein, friend and compatriot of dearly departed Springfieldian Chuck Wooten. All of that straight ahead, 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO News. KWTO News time is 7.30. Bright sunshine this morning and there were 70 degrees. Sunny skies this afternoon with a high reaching 86. Man from Lebanon facing domestic assault charges following an incident in Camden County. Authorities say J.C. Finn bonded out of the jail in Camden County. Investigators say a woman told deputies that she was with Finn at a restaurant in Camdenton when he became angry and began choking and assaulting her. The next day, she went to the fire station in Laurie for help because she was having difficulty swallowing. She was taken to Lake Regional Hospital then transferred to University Hospital up in Columbia for treatment of her injuries. Leaders of the Salvation Army in Springfield are stepping down. They're retiring. Majors John and Chris Augenstein say June 28th will be their last day at the helm of the Salvation Army. The Augenstein's have served in Springfield for the last three years before coming to Springfield. They served in Peoria, Illinois, Mason City, Iowa, Wichita, Kansas, and Flint, Michigan. The Salvation Army is expected to announce uh, the replacement here in a few weeks. Springfield Green County Health Department is offering free impox vaccinations for those considered high risk for the by the Centers for Disease Control. Reported cases of impox have fallen significantly since last summer, but CDC officials say the risk of a resurgence of the virus is substantial. Impox symptoms are generally mild, but they can become severe. 9 to 11 weekday mornings. That's really where they want to go. On 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. And let's take a step back for a minute. In the chaos created by all these conspiracy theories and other propaganda amplified by right-wing hate machines, 
one we continue to hear, a very simple point is getting lost. Republicans will do anything, say anything, and spend any amount of money to hide the basic truth that their leader is a criminal, corrupt, narcissistic buffoon. Was she doing an autobiography there? Um, uh, was she do Was that a self-reflection? <laughs> Aren't you so proud of our congresswoman from the north? Oh yeah, she's such a uh, she's such a picture of positivity, right? She 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 could do our hump day happy. Uh, <clears throat> that was Congresswoman. Cori Bush, who's really not, a, she's an activist, okay? She's a professional activist who conned people into getting her elected. Look, the uh, the guy who was her predecessor, he may not have been uh, the most dynamic guy in the world, but uh, William Lacey Clay, who is also African-American, he actually got some things done, and he actually worked across the aisle, and he realized that Republicans were not the enemy. Now, in public, I think a lot of times, Clay, of course, oh, he beat up on the stupid Republicans and all that and the other thing. Behind the scenes, though, Clay did what he could to help out the city of St. Louis, which is largely what the first congressional district is. The first congressional district, well, <clears throat> it used to just be the city of St. Louis. It now, it now actually includes a lot of the um, eastern part of the county of St. Louis because you know why? You know why? You know why it includes all that? Because everyone's left the city of St. Louis and there's not enough population there to support a congressional district by itself anymore. And that's sad. Back in the day, the city of St. Louis had enough population in it to basically be its own congressional district, right? As you would think it would be, right? You would think that a city would be large enough. A congressional district is about 750,000-ish people, you know, depending, you know, a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit less, depending on where you might be. So, Back in the day, the city of St. Louis was large enough to have a congressional district entirely within its own boundaries, within its own boundaries and more to spare because the population of the city of St. Louis back in the 1950s was nearly 900,000 people. I'll speak really slowly so the liberals at home can follow along because I know you're listening. You're hanging on my every word. Uh, riddle me this. How is it, why is it that over the course of 70 years, the city of St. Louis goes from nearly 900,000 people to under 300,000 people? Let's see. I think 900 minus 300 is 600, if my math is correct, and I'm not a math guy. And actually, I'm being generous because it's it's less than 300. They've lost more They've, the city of St. Louis has lost more than 600,000 people over the last 60 to 70 years. That's nearly 100,000 people a decade. Why? Is it the, it's the Republicans fault. You're all a bunch of racists. Um, no. What, what is the fault? Whose fault is it? Why does it happen? How do that many people flee a metro area? And you wonder why the state of Missouri. So for people who say, oh, I just I don't have to worry about St. Louis. You know, it's far away. So those of us down here in Springfield. Yeah, you do. You need to worry what goes on in Kansas City, which is a lot closer, by the way. What Kansas City's what? Two, two hour drive ish. Two and, two and a half. Two and a half. St. Louis is three and a half, about three and a half hour drive. Not that far away. Okay. If you were in a plane, it'd be about a 45-minute plane ride. So 
you do need to worry about what happens because guess what happened to the state? And this affects Southwest Missouri. We lost a congressional district, not this time, but last time. Back in the day when the, when the city of St. Louis had that massive population, our state, I think at one time, I don't know how many congressional districts we've lost in total over the last many years, but we've been going down for the last half century. There was a time where we had, I believe, more than a dozen congressional districts. We're now down to eight. We're now down to eight. We had, I believe we had over a dozen at one point in time. We just lost one in the last census. That's because we are not gaining in population. And you know what happens when you lose congressional districts? You lose power in the federal government in D.C. It's only because we have such incredible public servants like Jason Smith and Eric Burleson and Ann Wagner and Blaine Luktemeyer and Todd Graves. Uh, and, you know, look, can I, can, I, can I sit here with many of you and complain about some of their voting records? I can. I can, I can nitpick and complain. But in general, we, Jason Smith is the chairman of Ways and Means, one of the most powerful committees in Congress. Eric Burleson, in his freshman year, was placed on congressional oversight one of the other more powerful committees in Congress. Todd Graves runs transportation. I mean, we, we, for, for a, for a state that continues to lose population and influence, we've done, we've actually done pretty well because of the dedication of the, and, and the, the caliber of the people that we've elected. All right. Now, can they always be better? Can they always do more conservative things? I don't know if Eric can. He's pretty much 100%, you know, every single day. Can some of the others do a little better? They can. They can. But they're better than the Democrats that would be in there. That's for sure. But the problem is not those people. It's what's going on in the blue parts of the state. Predominantly Kansas City and St. Louis. However, Springfield, pay attention. Because these same factors are affecting you, right? We often talk about crime rising in our region. We often talk about the failures of the education. Oh, I haven't even gotten into the big national news stories that came out yesterday about the education system. Did you hear about the latest reports on the lack of student performance? It's abysmal and it's nationwide. And we here in Missouri, we are not held harmless. We're suffering as well. The, the 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 devastation that was again it, there's a commonality here the democrats who have been running and ruining the urban areas are the same democrats who are running and ruining our education system the more you put the heavy hand of authoritarian government into anything whether it's an urban area whether it's into fighting crime whether it's in our education system you know what happens on the back side of it it becomes crap and and that and that and that it, it you don't you don't have to take my commentary for it. Look at the statistics. I just read you the stat that currently the United States of America has the third highest murder rate in the world. But if you take out five Democrat areas that have been Democrat areas forever, Washington, D.C., St. Louis, Detroit, Chicago, and Philadelphia, we drop from the third most dangerous country on the planet to 189th out of 193. Those are blue cities, four of the five of them in blue states, 
with some of the strictest gun control laws in the nation, all run by Democrats. It's not the guns. It's not the guns. It's the people. It's not a gun problem. It's not a fire. It's not a hunk of metal problem. It's a people problem. It's a cultural problem. It's a government problem. That's where your problems begin, and that's where your problems end. And the minute people wake up and start realizing that, we will start we will start building ourselves back as a nation. But if we're going to continue to point fingers and lay blame at the wrong feet and the wrong people, then we're going to continue to go down this primrose path of death and destruction. It's all happening in urban areas. If 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 guns were the problem, then rural and suburban areas like in and around Springfield that probably have more guns per capita than anywhere else on the planet, right? They would be that we our murder rate would be through the roof, but it's not. It's only in the urban blue cores of Springfield. It's not in the outlying urban and exurban areas at, at at all, where they freaking have the guns on the gun rack and the vehicles and above the mantle and the fireplace and in the corner, right? Because we know how to properly use those tools. You, 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 you we're no more careless with guns than we are with power saws. We know that they are tools. We know that they're used for defense. We know that they're dangerous and they use with care, but we have a right to utilize them. It's the people who don't care about human life in the urban areas run by Democrats that have no concept of that. All right, it is 745. We're going to switch gears when we come back. We're going to talk about a famous Springfielding we lost this week, Chuck Wooten. We're going to talk to Jamie Holstein, one of his best friends, about the life and times of Chuck Wooten and all he accomplished for all of us here in Southwest Missouri. When we come back after Don Luzader's traffic, you need to know at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. Overall looking really good across the Springfield metro area. No major slowdowns uh, that we're getting in at this time as far as crashes go. A reminder that eastbound I-44 ramp at Mulroy Road is now open to traffic there at the 84-mile marker. Uh, the eastbound on-and-off ramps are open. However, the westbound on-and-off ramps remain closed, and uh, Mulroy Road Bridge over I-44 remains closed. Uh, the crews have completed the south end of that dog boat. There's no reason for them not to work with us on this investigation. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Casmo and Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Hey folks, welcome back to 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. You know, we're going to talk about a fellow who used to grace these airwaves, Chuck Wooten. Chuck Wooten used to be right here on 93.3 KWTO. Congressman Billy Long sent out a tweet a few days ago that we referenced mentioning that he said it was with a heavy heart that he was informing all of us that his former KWTO radio sidekick, buddy, pal, good friend, Chuck Wooten passed away uh, earlier this week. He says there'll never be an equal veteran public servant cheerleader for the Ozarks. There would be no national cemetery off 65, but for Chuck. Uh, the good congressman was uh, not available today, but he said we needed to have another great friend of Chuck's on with us this morning. And we're so glad he is available. Jamie Holstein, U.S. Marine Corps retired local banker, very close friend of former Missouri State Representative and Radio FIDAB Chuck Wooten. Jamie joins us now here on our airwaves. Jamie, good morning to you. Thanks for being with us this morning. Thank you, Ken. I'm happy to be here. So, Jamie, you know, just... um. What do you think of when you think of Chuck Wooten? Boy, that's that's a tough one sentence. I'd have to say I think of his great smile, 
and his great attitude. He always seemed to be very upbeat and positive about everything he talked about, and he he was just a great guy to be around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jamie, he did, uh, you know, uh, first of all, thank you for your service, and uh, we want to thank Chuck and his family for his service to our community, to our state, to our nation in so many ways. He really took that service seriously, didn't he? And he did so much for veterans in our region. No question about it. I uh, I always like to point out that Chuck was a Navy veteran. He was a World War II veteran. And uh, there is zero, zero question in my mind that we would not have that cemetery, uh, the Missouri Veterans Cemetery, had it not been for Chuck Wooten. I know Chuck uh, and, and Bob Rowntree, i got to get Bob Rowntree's name in there at City Utilities, mm-hmm. Uh, found out that the state was going to put that cemetery in another city in our state, another fine city. I won't mention the name, but it starts with a <laughs> W and a P. Uh, and, uh, and they went up to Jeff City and said to him, uh, you've got to bring it to Springfield. That's where the population base is. And and, and uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't want to misquote this, but I believe the reason why Bob Roundtree was with him was that uh, City Utilities donated the land. And uh, they did get it switched over, and they did get it to Springfield. And I think they made a pretty good idea when they when they talked them into it, because it's been out there since the early 2000s, and we bury more people at that cemetery in Springfield than the other four veteran state cemeteries in the state combined. Jamie, wow. Don Luzader, it's a, it's a beautiful cemetery out there. Uh, my, my mom is buried there, and when my dad passes away, my dad was a veteran, uh, he'll be buried there as well. And uh, it, and really, uh, yeah, there was a lot of uh, maneuvering uh, in Jefferson City to uh, to try to get that uh, to Springfield. And really, Chuck, it would not have happened without him, would it? No question. No, you're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're speaking to Jamie Holstein, U.S. Marine Corps retired local banker, very close friend of Chuck Wooten's. Talk about his, uh, so he served the nation in the U.S. Navy. And then obviously, Jamie, uh, Chuck had an, an inner calling, as many of us do, as I have had through my life, to continue to serve the public. What, do you know where that, was he just built, was he just built to serve his fellow man and women? He came back, he was, uh, served on the city councilor, then went to, then went to the state house. Was it something that he was passionate about? Uh, very, very passionate about it. He felt like he needed to give back to the community that that he lived in and that the, the free country that we live in. And that was just the way Chuck thought. He was made up that way. And he, he also worked for the U.S. Postal System. So he was with our federal government for a long time. And uh, he got transferred back to Springfield on purpose uh, toward the end of his career with the postal system because he wanted to be back in the Ozarks. And uh, we were very fortunate that he got back here and, and was able to help us uh, do so many things here in Springfield that he's done. Jamie, do you recall his, his time on city council and was there a recall petition for him at one time? Oh man, now you've got me there. I don't recall that. No. Well, I've heard the story and this just fits with Chuck that he would go around he would put signs in neighborhoods that would say, don't Chuck Chuck, when he was up for recall <laughs> on oh, city that's council. Great. Now, that's typical, <laughs> typical of my friend Chuck to come up with a clever say like that. <laughs> yeah, I think he survived uh, that. But, you know, five terms in the state legislature, uh, you mm-hmm. know, that's uh, that's in the House. That's a, that's a lot of time serving his constituents. 
I'm not sure, and and you guys know better than I do, I think he might have been speaker at one time. Well, Jones Uh, would know about that more than anyone because he was a speaker. I don't don't, don't think he was, though. I think he was in the minority. So, but he may have, he may have been minority leader. We'll have to look that well, up. There you yeah. go. That might yeah. have been it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, uh, he he was on the radio here too. Uh, and and I I wasn't working here then, but but I've heard him on with Billy Long and uh, and they would have a grand old time together on the radio, wouldn't they? You know, Chuck always had a great sense of humor. He he always had a great joke. Uh, some of the jokes, uh, most of the jokes, you could tell on the radio. <laughs> I, I think there were a few that he probably. Uh, kept private, but, uh, you know, one thing that a lot of people don't know about Chuck, uh, and, and I was even surprised I met Chuck. Oh, I'm going to say 25 years ago when I worked for a little bank, uh, he was on the board of directors and, uh, the owner of the bank's daughter was getting married and he said, well, we're going to have Reverend Chuck, uh, conduct the service. And I said, what Reverend uh-huh. Chuck? Well, yeah, Chuck's the minister. And I didn't know that. And he did conduct the service and, uh, married the young lady, and he also did numerous services out at the Veterans Cemetery. That's amazing. Jamie, tell, tell us about, um, uh, tell us about uh, his family and, uh, and, and, you know, what, what did he like? Did he have any spare time? I mean, what did he do uh, otherwise? Uh, tell us a little bit about the person of Chuck Wooten. You know, you you got to wonder about a guy like that. Now, I, I tend to sneak out and play golf every now and then and, and uh, things like that. Chuck just always had family in mind and, and the, the people around him in mind, the, the city, the state. He, he really, uh, to my knowledge, to my knowledge, he didn't have any real leisure activities because he was always moving. He was always doing something. And even up into his 90s, uh, Chuck passed away, as we know, at 95 years old. Mm-hmm. And really, right up until the last year, I didn't really see him slow down that much. I mean, sure, his gait was a little slower, and and, and uh, uh, he might have to think a little bit, like I do every now and then, uh, about what he's going to say. But he, he was sharp, sharp, sharp right up to the end, in my opinion. Wow. Life well lived. Unbelievable. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. Tell us all about your friend. He'll definitely be missed. He was quite the force majeure down here in southwest Missouri. He did so much for our region. We owe him so many debts of gratitude, and we're we're very happy to speak with one of his best buddies here. Thank you so much, Jamie, for taking the time. It was an honor to be on here to talk about my friend. Thank you. Thank you very much as well. Jamie Holstein there. Jamie Holstein, a U.S. Marine Corps retired a, uh, a a servant in his own right, public servant in his own right, talking about Chuck Wooten. Chuck Wooten uh, passed away earlier this week at the age of 95 years old, U.S. Navy grad. Graduated, Don, from Springfield Senior High School back in the day. Went into the U.S. Navy, came back and kept serving, uh, elected to the city council in the 80s, serving as mayor pro tem. He then represented uh, Green County District 137 back whenever, whatever that looked like back then in the Missouri House from 1988 to 1996, serving ably in the minority. I bet he was uh, a force of nature up there dealing with all those dastardly yeah. Democrats. And how, and how, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And how fitting that a graveside service is scheduled for June 29th at the Missouri Veterans Cemetery, which he worked so hard to bring to Springfield. Such an important part of our region. And Chuck Wooten, as you heard right there from Jamie Holstein, was the guy that we all should thank and have gratitude for for that. Wow, what what an amazing 
life well lived if we can only all be so lucky. May God, may he rest in peace with the good Lord above. Thank you so much, the good Lord, for giving us Chuck Wooten for the time that he spent here in Springfield. All right, we're going to get to a break now. Wrapping up the 7 o'clock hour, 8 o'clock hour. Straight ahead, 8.05, Tim's Top 3, Part 3. And then we're going to speak to Dennis Ganahl. Speaking of what we can do for our senior citizens who gave us so much, how about some tax relief? How about Mo Tax Relief Now? We're going to talk about how we can get that here in Southwest Missouri with Dennis Ganahl at 8.15. All that now and next, 93.3 and 560 KWTO. Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The fact that he's laughing about that is reflective on a man who just doesn't have any command of his pitches anymore. That's pretty much every time Biden gets in front of a microphone. Hey, I had a nurse. She'd come in and do things to me that aren't in the nursing manual. I mean, I... Hubba, hubba. Sounds like somebody needs to delete his search history. ...of grievance instead of a culture of greatness. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. It's time for Team's Top 3. Ha-ha, Tiny Timmy, away! You're a genius. One! Well, thank you very much. I agree with that. I resemble that remark. You know what Larry Sabato's view of the great state of Missouri is? So Larry Sabato, for all of you political prognosticators and folks that follow politics and elections as closely as I do, or even if you don't, you've probably heard of Larry Sabato. He's from, I believe, University of Virginia. He's got something called the crystal ball. That's like his thing. He's he's a political pollster, a prognosticator. Larry Sabato's crystal ball puts Missouri at blood red. Now, it would be nice if our legislators, once they get elected, wouldn't just be campaign conservatives. But, you know, before we can criticize them for what they do or don't do, we do have to get them elected first. And it's really good to see that Larry Sabato and his crystal ball has put both the Missouri Attorney General and Missouri Secretary of State races next year in safe Republican territory. Now let's just get the right Republicans elected and then hold them accountable. How about we do number two? Well, it's not political, although if you look at some of the stories on the internet, Believe it or not, disgusting leftists have apparently tried to make the missing Titanic submarine story political. Like there's there's some questions about the political history of one of the the owners or something. I don't know. Who cares? You've got to be kidding me. Do these people have no shame? Anyway, the real news of the day is, as to the missing Titanic submarine, Canadian underwater robot is currently searching the ocean floor as oxygen levels dwindle. Coast Guard, U.S. Coast Guard, Says the says that a French ship is also launching their robot to search for Ocean Gate's Titan sub as the clock continues to tick. And how about we do number three? Durham investigations on Capitol Hill and Adam Schiffer brains is censored. I said Schiff. I said Schiff. I know I did. I'm positive of it. But you know what he's got. Adam Schiff censored for saying, I've got Russian collusion. Dakota Wood, if you missed our segment on Dakota Wood, he pointed out finally what 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 uh, Adam Schiff is claiming to be evidence of Russian collusion. It was the fact that a guy named Trump, not even Trump himself, one of the sons sat down with a guy with a Russian name to get dirt on Hillary Clinton. And they never got dirt because that wasn't what the meeting was about. So 
Do you not think, folks, that in politics everybody wants to get dirt on their other opponents? You've got to be kidding. Are you that juvenile and naive? It's absolutely true. It's not called collusion. It's not. It's called campaign research. And anyway, they didn't even do it. They didn't even do it. It didn't happen. Adam Schiff, give it up. That's why you're censored. That's why you're a lunatic. Although Adam Schiff is using all of this to campaign in crazy California. He's loving it all the way to the bank. That's Tim's Top 3, Part 3, for a Thursday, June 22nd, 2023, 8, 10 a.m. in the Heartland. I.O. Silver! Away! Don't ever do that again. Sorry. I'll do it tomorrow. One more time. From the lake. Big lake. Yes, I'm heading down to... Heading down to Margaritaville later this afternoon. Going to go to the Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, I know I, I know I've broadcasted from there, I think, the last three years. I've been on the air here, and it is for an annual conference I attend. So <clears throat> this is an old legacy client of mine. I'm not doing any law talking stuff anymore. I uh, practiced law for nearly 20 years. It was a great career. I really enjoyed it. I'm very proud of the fact I am an attorney. I keep my licenses up to speed. I have to do all my continuing legal education every year. I just did a CLA program the other day on the phone. Whew, it's a lot of work, man, keeping those licenses. Boy, those those companies, they sure want their shekels from you. That's for sure. They milk you for anything you got. And I'll keep my licenses forever. I just, uh, <clears throat> I've just got into other things. You know, I learned that politics and public service and public policy and communications were more of my passion. And uh, you look at all the, you know how many lawyers, you know how many lawyers are on like Fox News and Newsmax? Like half of them, like half of the anchors and the daily commentators, they've all got law degrees, you know? You get a law degree to learn how to think, to learn how to do logic, to learn about, you know, what one plus one equaling, equaling two is in the legal world. You learn about all the foundations of our society. And I love the law. I love reading about the law. I love analyzing the law. I'm very worried about the foundations of our law being under attack in this country. There is a full frontal assault on the Supreme Court. I mean, they hate Clarence Thomas, not for anything that he's done wrong because he's done nothing wrong. They hate Clarence Thomas because he is one of the most well-known and respected black men in the country who doesn't drink the crazy communist Kool-Aid. That's why they hate Clarence Thomas. They do hate him. The left, the left does hate him for the color of his skin because they look at him and go, why aren't you a deranged left-wing liberal lunatic? You know, like the rest of them, uh, like, like the other three on the Supreme Court, Kagan and Sotomayor and, and, uh, Jackson Brown or, um, Brown Jackson. <laughs> I love running it. Running on empty. <laughs> Cass, you should play that every single time I say Katanje Brown Jackson's name wrong. Running on empty? <laughs> running on empty Okay. by Jackson Brown. I can do that. <laughs> I think we've done that before. Oh, here it is. It's on my here history. We have done it before. Yeah. Tim and I broke Katanje it. Katanje Jackson Brown. Is this it? Brown Jackson. This is it. This is it. This is uh, Jackson Brown cast. I think you would like this. I don't mind this. Like this. Um, you can let this play for a second, cast, because it reminded me that your name came up the other day by me. <laughs> I brought your name up Surprise. in a conversation because my um, my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law on my wife's side. So it's Suzanne's guess, sister, Sean Cassidy. <clears throat> Do what? Let me guess. Sean Cassidy? No. Oh. That we were talking about old music and Sean Cassidy. No. No, I'll tell you what come up that reminded me of you. So my 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 wife's sister and brother 
and I'm sorry, my wife's sister and husband, so my sister-in-law and brother-in-law from Cleveland, George and Jen. George and Jen were in town last weekend for the celebration of uh, my father-in-law, their father's 80th birthday, and they came over to the house afterwards, and we started digging into my liquor cla- my liquor cabinet, and uh, we were drinking and having a good time, and um, and uh, we started talking about music, and I, I turned on this uh, <coughs> this channel that I have. <coughs> On one of the um, music stations I subscribe to, and it does the 1,000 classic rock songs of all time and just loops it. Okay, I think I've talked about this before. Led Zeppelin comes on, so we started talk, talking about Led Zeppelin, and then guess what came up after that? Greta Van Fleet. You got it. <laughs> Vulcan mind meld. So George goes, hey, have you heard of the new band? That, that Jimmy Page says sounds more Led Zeppelin than Led Zeppelin. I go, I know what you're going to play. And he played some Greta Van Fleet. George and did, it's so fantastic. Like, they do. Um, <clears throat> they are amazing. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> music can get music can get recycled, but it can also get reborn. Right. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful that there is a new a, uh, a a new modern day band that sounds like Led Zeppelin, so then Cass's generation and beyond can have that sound, that sound continue because it's a great sound. It's a great, they're they're great, they're they're great musical, great musical lyricists. So yes, and I saw them live last year. Remember? How was that? Did we talk about that? How I, was that? That was my first rock concert I've ever been. Mm-hmm. It's very intense. It's very um like I I got dizzy standing in the pit i shouldn't have i shouldn't have done the pit that's the thing i love i love greta van fleet but i didn't know rock concerts are so um instrumental at times like they Mm -hmm. would do like 20 minutes of just rocking out you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's a very your generation concert thing to do but i'm not used to that but i did enjoy them a lot live (laughs) they're good performers I think that they were all high, though. I think that they were all smoking weed on stage. And so I was kind of like, no. <laughs> pretty convinced. Hey, hey, is the um, is the outlaw. Have you guys heard of the outlaw music festival that's um, circulating around the country this summer? Yes. Is and it? I wanted to go because Tyler Childress and Zach Bryan were performing. Oh, you know, where, you favorite. know what? It's co- it's coming to Rogers, Arkansas, June 29th. Ooh. Ooh. That's pretty close, isn't it? I feel like I shouldn't be going to um, outdoor music festivals when I am with child. <laughs> Probably not. Not in the summertime. <laughs> Looks so like Don, it's at the, the Hollywood uh, Casino Amphitheater there in uh, it, St. Louis. Uh, coming coming to St. Days, Louis. Yeah. yeah, this Sunday. Uh, or my St. Louis station, Don. We had tickets to give away. So, Don, guess who's going to be at this thing? First of all, they've got like 15 performers and acts. Willie Nelson is performing. And so is Robert Plant. Wow. Yes. The Robert Plant from The Led Zeppelin is performing at the Outlaw Music Festival this summer, which is pretty darn cool. Speaking of concerts, this Jackson Brown that I'm playing right now, they have event tickets available underneath this YouTube video. Apparently, they're still playing and touring. Yeah, he was at, uh, he was in I, Springfield uh, just about a week ago, I think. Yeah, I hear they're pretty good. Yeah. I hear they're pretty good. So, yeah, the Outlaw Music Festival, let's see, St. Louis this weekend. Uh, next week, uh, down here in uh, Rogers, Arkansas. And then they kind of take off and they go all all over the hinterlands around the country. Um, yeah, nowhere else near close. So those are the, those are your two options. So St. Louis on Sunday at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, which is a great facility. I saw Dave Matthews there twice, and um, and wow, then Rogers, John, Arkansas. John Fogarty is playing in it. I saw that. Yeah, cool. 
Oh, yeah. It's a cast yeah. of thousands. Yeah, it's Los Lobos. <clears throat> yeah, really great acts. Really great acts. So check that out, folks. The Outlaw Music Festival. Um, it just kind of came up because we were... T- because we were talking about Supreme Court Justice Katanji. You Brown never Jackson. know how, what's <laughs> going to lead to what. <laughs> well, there you have it. We cover it all from submersible submarines to Katanji Brown Jackson to the Outlaw Music Festival. Next, we're going to talk about senior citizens and what the Missouri legislature actually did for you this year, not to you, and how you get some property tax relief. But I think it's going to take some action here in Springfield. We may have to talk to Bob Dixon about this after we talk to Dennis Ganahl. Who's coming up next from Mo Tax Relief now? Next, after Don Luzader's traffic, 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. Looks like we have a stalled vehicle on Grand just past Kip. Some Americans. Someone do something about it. 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Sweet as candy, it's taste is on my mind. Welcome back to 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Everything about the station can be found at 933kwto.com. You can listen to us online. You can download our app for iPhone or Android and carry us with you anywhere on the planet that you have a cell signal or Wi-Fi connection. You can listen to us anywhere, as I often do when we're out of town. Uh, joining us now to talk about one of the bright spots of an otherwise mediocre, lukewarm legislative session is Dennis Ganahl of Mo Tax Relief. Now, one of the true bright spots in a session that... Um, struggled to have much achievements, but I'll tell you what, only because of the hard work of Dennis and all of his intrepid volunteers and incredible legislators that assisted him with this did we get this across the finish line. Dennis, good morning to you. Welcome back to KWTO. Congratulations on uh, successfully getting a piece of legislation across the line in a in a year that did not see many legislative achievements. Well, thanks, Tim, for having me on. Yeah, it was an amazing finish. This came across just at the last week of the session. And between the two houses, it was passed 187 to 3. Wow. So only, That's amazing. Yeah, only three people. yeah it was a, a, a real big win. I mean, you know, so, it's going to be a challenge, but it's a real win. Absolutely. So, Dennis, talk about the changes that occurred through the legislative session. You know, you and I were, you and I spoke off, and I was very happy to assist. Uh, uh, continuing in my my uh, my my public service, uh, assisting all of you with this. Uh, you were all volunteers. I was a volunteer. Uh, we started off with one concept. We ended up with a different one. But as I told you, Dennis, you know, you take what you can get out of the legislature. You go back and you go back for more the next year. So this was a huge achievement to get at something that was simply an idea last November, fully across the finish line this year. Talk about the evolution of the bill and what ended up being the final product. Well, the. Uh we originally started with talking about freezing tax assessments for for seniors when they hit full retirement age. And the final legislation is going to freeze taxes, uh, not assessments. It's going to freeze the actual tax that you pay. So we think that's really kind of a gain, you know, because assessments, if they froze the assessments, um, you could still, you know, if, uh, if, a, if a levy had passed for, uh-huh. you know, a higher levy, it could have raised seniors taxes. So by yes. freezing the actual taxes, that's that's a big win. Um, one of the things that also changed is that this is not going to be a 
constitutional amendment vote. This is going to have to be passed by each individual county. So the county uh, council members are going to have to decide whether they will or will not give seniors tax relief. And mm. if the, let's say, that, yeah, that's, that's kind of the challenge. And if, if the, um, if they decide not to give tax relief, then the citizens still have an option. And what that option is, is they can collect a petition and they need at least 5% of the people of the number of people who voted in the previous governor's election. And then if they do that, the bill becomes a referendum on, I guess, a November or August uh, or April or whatever uh, ballot that uh, that then the people vote whether or not in the county they're going to give this tax relief to seniors. So, you know, it, it does give an, an opportunity there to step up for yourself if the council won't do it for you. So and Dennis, at tax relief, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go, go ahead and finish. So at Motax Relief now, what we're uh, committing ourselves to is we're going to help. We've got, we collected, you know, with your help, Tim, and a lot of people down in Green and Springfield area, uh, we've collected almost 2,000 signatures of people. And so we literally have uh, signatories from every county in Missouri. And so what we're willing to do is we're going to develop a strategy for each county, uh, for people from each county to take it to their county council and get it introduced and try to get a vote up or down and then decide to do what to do with the petitions. So Dennis, let's, let's, uh, I want to, I want to go back and unpack a little bit about what you, what you talked about, what happens to happen next. Well, first of all, Dennis, the bill that was passed, has the governor signed that yet? Or are we still waiting on action there? Well, um, I can tell you one thing that our signatories, uh, deluged the governor's office. And, uh, you know, asking him to sign. It was on his calendar to sign, we understand, June 21st at 8.30 a.m. There was a county council member in St. Louis County who introduced the bill as Bill 114 to the county council before it was signed. And all kinds of uh, opposition, you know, fomented with, uh, you know, the, the municipal uh, lobbyist, the municipal employee lobbyist, the teachers' education lobbyist, everybody, you know, became in an uproar. And, yeah, all, and the, all county- the big, all the big government operations, of course, opposed to having any money given back to taxpayers or in uh, remaining in seniors' pockets. That's for sure. Dennis, though, before the counties can act, the bill that's in that was passed by the legislature that needs to go into law first, though, right? Correct. And here's what's yeah. going to happen to him. We're predicting okay. today that the bill is going to pass. And, okay. but we don't think it's, we don't think it's going to get signed. He knows he can't do a veto because he's got 187 to three. And that includes every Democrat, but two. Okay. And so we're not going to veto it. So what it's going to do is it's going to pass. You understand the process better than yep. me, but it'll we have a pocket unsigned. Yeah. We have pocket signature in Missouri. So if the governor takes no action on a bill passed by the legislature, it becomes law. So, Dennis, let's presume that that happens. Let's presume that the the Missouri legislature, that the law that they passed to give seniors this relief does become law. So then the next thing that happens is, Dennis, the counties, the individual counties, let's talk about Green County. That's what Springfield sits in. Uh, Green, The Green County Commission, which is three people, Rusty McLaughlin, Bob Dixon, who I serve with in the House, John Russell, they, Dennis, on their own motion, on their own action, can adopt the provisions of this language if they so choose? That's exactly right. Mm. And then if they, if they adopt it, then it's law in Greene County. 
Uh huh. And, gotcha. and if they and if they don't adopt it, we can activate the voters to you know. I, I think two things are going to happen if that happens, Tim. I think none, okay. one thing that's going to happen is that I think the people will pass it because this is about Missouri's values. You know, we value families and we value the ability to buy a home and keep a home. And uh, and then if those people vote against it, I'll bet they're voted out the next election. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Dennis, because the, the the thing is, uh, and I've seen this, uh, we've all seen this, uh, you know, because of because of inflation, and we can sit here and get into a political discussion about who to blame for that, but we do have inflation. So because of inflation, home prices, along with the price of everything else, went up. And so a lot of counties' assessor assessor offices, they're going ahead and raising uh, assessments on homes, which increases the taxation on the homes, which means that seniors are going to have to come, seniors on fixed incomes are going to have to come up with money from somewhere or Dennis, they're going to have to sell their home and maybe move to a state that treats seniors a little better, right? That's exactly right, Tim. And, and you know, all the people that sign our uh, petition write personal notes. You know, my husband, I, one, one guy uh, is delivering newspapers at 3 a.m. in the morning. Uh, at 74 years old to pay, he said, oh just boy. his property, tax, which have gone up 50% in the last six years. You know, yeah. so that that's what's going on in the state. And people are saying, you know, we're going to move out of Missouri. So I think that's the reason that the legislature responded so strongly. I think yeah, that they obviously. were really making a statement. Yeah, I think it was a, 187 I mean, it was a, to three between the House and the Senate. That's I don't on something on on a taxation issue, Dennis, I've never seen such support even from Democrats. So that's how important, that's how powerful uh, seniors' voices are. And uh, we're all going to be a senior someday, Dennis, as you often say, which is why I think people, everybody understands this problem. Dennis, you still want people to continue to sign the petition, right? Online, Absolutely. the online petition? Absolutely, yeah. And, and uh, you know, we're all volunteers, so some of our materials aren't quite up to date and things. Uh, but, yeah, we want everybody to keep signing because we need to be collecting the names so that everybody can work together in their county to make sure these things get passed. So right. that's what so we're Dennis, in the So, Dennis, every single county, assuming assuming that the bill the legislature passed does become law, either by the governor signing it or letting it go through over the next uh, few days or weeks, uh, every single county then in the state, 114-some-odd counties, every single county then will have the opportunity to decide whether they – want to give the seniors in their county the ability to remain in their homes. That's kind of what the question is at this point, right? That's exactly right, Tim. And, uh, you know, we're, we're betting we're betting it'll probably be like, if, I mean, in St. Louis County, we're getting uh, strong union opposition to it. Uh, you know, but we've got a, we, we've had pretty good response when we presented, uh, you know, to the county that, you know, some big uh, organizations have come out against it, but we're not afraid of them. You know, people are going to stand up and uh, I think they're going to fight for their right, you know, to stay in their home. Well, Dennis, impressive, impressive effort this year that resulted in incredible success. I, I thank you for taking this on and being such an involved citizen activist and, and really putting your money where your mouth is and all of your time and, and, and inspiring so many people to join the fight. Dennis Ganahl, our guest here this morning, Mo Tax Relief Now, MoTaxReliefNow.org. That's MoTaxReliefNow.org. Dennis, keep me posted on this because once this does officially become the law of the land, then I think we need to have you back on to talk about how we can put pressure on the counties to move forward for the next step. That sounds great, Tim. But I want to say, you know, it was in large, large part to you, you know, and all of the uh, advice and consultations you gave us as to how to take this thing forward. 
And, you know, when we first went into the House, uh, to the legislature, we, we received a lot of negative feedback. I mean, I remember sitting down with uh, Senator Searpoy, and he said to us, he goes, boys, you're not going to get this passed this year. Mm. And we just smiled mm. and took him through step by step. And at the end of that meeting, he had changed his mind. And he says, I'll vote mm. for it. Well, Dennis, you're far too kind. Thank you so much. It's uh, been, been a pleasure working with you for this on this on such, a, such an important matter. Dennis, we'll have you back on again soon. Thanks, Tim. Thank you as well. All right, Dennis Canal there with Motax Relief Now, MotaxReliefNow.org. Let's take a break. When we come back, we can take your phone calls before we get to the morning dump segment. 417-866-0933. 417-866-0933. Don Luzader with a final local news update of the morning. When we come back, we'll have lots more straight ahead, including the update on the submersible sub. 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO News. KWTO News time is 832. Sunshine 73 in Springfield. Looking for sunny skies today with a high reaching 86. City leaders in Nixa have given the go-ahead for repairs to the community pool. Nixa Parks and Recreation now has authorization to spend $100,000 to fix this leak. Nixa City Council has authorized the repairs during an emergency meeting Wednesday evening. Money for the repairs will come from the Aquatics Reserve Account that covers pool-related repairs and maintenance. Nixa Park officials say there is no timeline for when the repairs will be completed and the pool will be reopened. Brian Houseworth, Zimmer News Network. Springfield Green County Health Department offering free impox vaccinations for those considered high risk by the CDC. Reported cases of impox have fallen significantly since last summer, but CDC officials say their risk of a resurgence of the virus is substantial. Impox symptoms are generally mild, but they can become severe. Information about those vaccinations is available at vaccine417.com. And a man from Lebanon facing assault charges following an incident in Camden County. Authorities say J.C. Finn bonded out of the Camden County Jail. Investigators say a woman told deputies she was with Finn at a restaurant in Camden when he became angry and began choking and assaulting her. The next day, she went to the fire station in Laurie for help. Traffickers and violent criminals. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Time for the morning dump. Yes. Cass, what do you got for the good of the order? I have, I really, Tim, I'm so tempted. I really want to bring up this Glenn Beck video that you sent me. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny, isn't it? We can't play it on air. Not because it has no? explicit, li- explicit li- well, we maybe we could. I don't know. I don't know if it's family friendly. It's not. It's not, it's not is family that Alex, friendly. Neither is, is the frog. It is Alex Stein. Um, it's Alex Stein. A- Alex Stein is playing a fictional Gavin Newsom. Transgender Gavin the, Newsom. <laughs> who becomes the first female president of the United States of America. But he still looks exactly like Alex Stein. Like, that's the yeah. joke, right? It's like, guys can be girls, girls can be guys. Doesn't matter what you look like anymore. You just be whatever ambiguously you want. And then he celebrates the fact that he's signing into law a mandatory day of public... Casual. 
You can't say it. Don't Improper do Proper sex. <laughs> it is a day I, to celebrate. Did I just attack gay of, people? Yes. Yeah. It's a day to celebrate all of the debauchery that you could possibly want to yes. enjoy. And it's, Sodom and Gomorrah. It is. Forced. And it's like play, mandatory forced upon you. Yes. And it's a play on the, the purge. <laughs> do you remember the purge movies? Oh, where yes. it's like 24 hours. Yes. I've seen them all. 24 hours of like unlimited crime to purge. It's a takeoff on that. It's, yes. it's that. But it's funny because. It's really not good for morning radio. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but Maybe everybody could play it on his show. <laughs> yeah. Evening radio. It's a lot. Or, or Nate Lucas would play it. He would. For sure. He would play yeah. it on the morning show. With no shame. Go to Glenn Beck's Twitter feed. And scroll down until you see him say, this is hysterical, but not for everyone. And you have arrived yes. at the video. Yes. Maybe we'll play it on Friday. <laughs> and we'll do them tomorrow. So, But yeah, go to, go to Glenn Beck's Twitter feed. And he <laughs> says, this is hysterical, but it's not for everyone. Viewer discretion advised. They don't say anything. There's no cuss words or anything, but the topic is basically NC-17. Maybe the kids, maybe the kids shouldn't be around. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, don't have the kids around in the room. But 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 it makes a very important point, doesn't it? Satire. Alex as usual, Alex Stein goes completely overboard but uses the left to point out the insanity of the left. Like the 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 thing the reason it's so funny is cuz it's so sad because it may be so true, right? I mean, is that the next thing, you know, where we actually have mandatory public gay, <laughs> you know? I mean, that's the problem. It's is, really scary to think about this. Well, we already have well, mandatory day of cel- month of celebration. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a month of forced celebration of the LGBTQ XYZ one two three XY. You know, and you know what? I bet the people who want to celebrate Juneteenth, right? They're probably like, wait a minute, I got to be smack dab in the middle of freaking Pride Month. You got to be. And why do they get a month? Why do they get a month? The veterans only get a day here and there throughout the year, right? We have one day for Memorial Day, one day for Veterans Day. The pride people get a month? You know, look, no offense. No offense. Uh, I could be like Mitt Romney here right now. I have many leather-bound books of all my gay friends. But no, I, I have lot. I do have lots of friends who are of various and varieties of different sexual preferences. Most of them are conservatives, by the way. Most of my gay friends are conservatives. And so we agree on pretty much everything. And I stay out of their bedroom life, and they stay out of mine. You know what I'm saying? It's like they can still be your friends. But, you know, a month? A month and, and the, the people who are celebrating the emancipation, right? Are, get a day? Yeah. We're so screwed up right now. So the problem is, the problem is with all this stuff that they're perpetuating, is it a far cry? There, where are the limits in society, right? Alex Stein is pointing that out with this little vignette, which you've got to watch. It's hilarious, but it's also a little terrifying because it's like, are we that far from this? It seems ludicrous, but is it really? So that's the question. All right. Uh, Don, you've got a bunch of stuff. Uh, uh, oh, this is interesting. There was there was uh, allegations back in the spring that various women may or, or may not, well, may have been drugged at a Springfield bar. Don, we've got an update on that. I remember yeah, that Yeah, we talked about this one here on the show. Yeah. Uh, Springfield yeah. police are saying now that they have found no evidence that women were drugged, at this bar, uh, there were five reports that women were served spiked drinks at the Inner Circle Vodka Bar. Sergeant, I believe that. Sergeant Casey Wilkerson says police investigated each report, including interviewing witnesses, bar employees, and checking surveillance video. Now, Wilkerson does say anyone who believes he or she has been drugged 
should still report it to police and get medical treatment to determine if drugging has occurred. But right now, they're saying that uh, this investigation has yielded no evidence uh, that people were drugged. Mm, that place is a cesspool. I bet people are drugged every week in there, personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That place mm-hmm. is basically a You've been fra- there? I, I have been there. Oh. And I think that it's a terrible place to go, and I think that nobody should go there because it is, well, I shouldn't say that. I think that it's basically a frat party that's in bar form in downtown Springfield. Do better things with your life than going out and drinking every weekend, people. Young people make wiser decisions. That's all I'm saying. Cass Bowen Anderson with your public service announcement. <laughs> Thank you, Grandma Cass. Yes, there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> Stay off my lawn. <laughs> Straight from Granny's Rocker. Uh, and Don, uh, finally, perhaps, uh, Cox Health. Ooh, has an update on an a, uh, a an alleged hack of their IT system. Yes, I have a feeling there's a whole bunch of letters that are going out on this. Cox Health says Ooh. a vendor it uses was hacked, and some patient information may have been compromised. Cox officials say hackers targeted file transfer software that was used by IntelliHearts LLC. Officials say the hackers could have obtained some names, addresses, and social security numbers of more than two hundred three thousand patients around the ozarks the company is offering free credit monitoring services for one year to those whose information uh, may have been compromised all righty uh let's see i think that's all we've got for the moment and we're about to wrap up the show folks it is 8 56 in the a.m that means we're about to turn things over to Gary Nolan. Following Gary Nolan, of course, will be Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. The Dan Bongino Show. Do not miss Dan. Dan has been just crushing it lately with all of his analysis on the Durham investigation, the Biden-Burisma bribery scheme, all of the actors that he had a really... I need to, I need to go through some of this with all of you because you, if, if you're not able to listen later in the day, you've missed a lot of this. He's going through a lot of the actors who have been involved in the DC deep state. People like Lisa McCrone. You know, it's like, okay, we talk about the deep state. Well, the deep state is not just a amorphous thing. It's people. It's people who went to DC decades ago, never left, and they think they're running the place, not the elected officials. So I probably need to help you understand who some of these actors are. But if you can listen to Dan Bongino this afternoon, he's probably going to continue to go through more of that. The Elijah Har Show, of course, from 4 to 6 p.m. Jimmy, uh, Joe Pags first, and then Jimmy Fela, Fox Across America. Big shout out to uh, Dave Plemons from Missouri Right to Life listening to us this morning. Morning, Dave. He said, he then replied to me, my, uh, my, my, my difficult rendition of Oasis. He says, and maybe you're going to be the one that saves me. Yes, that is another line in that Oasis song. Well played, Dave Plemons. Thanks for listening, as always. All righty, 8.57 a.m. What do we got tomorrow? Uh, Freedom Friday. I'll be down at Lake of the Ozarks with the Missouri Association of Fire Protection Districts, one of my old legacy law clients. I forgot to tell you that whole story. I kind of got off on a tangent, but I help them with their conference every year. And uh, so I'll be down there for the next couple of days, but I'll be doing the show from there in the morning. So hopefully have some good stories about what's going on at Margaritaville. And then we'll be back, uh, of course, um, on Monday. But anyway, I'll, I'll be here tomorrow. All three of us will be here tomorrow to help take you into the weekend. We'll have the full weather forecast uh, for you for the first official weekend of summer. And lots more. All right. Anybody got anything for the good of the order? We're about out of here. You guys good? We're good. Peachy right, keen. Hope you, hope you enjoyed the show. If you missed the show, Cass puts up the podcast shortly after the show is over. That can be found, of course, at 93.3kwto.com. 
Have a great day, all y'all. Have a very safe and happy Thursday. We'll be back with you Friday, taking you fully into the first summer weekend here at 93.3 AM 560. This is the new KWTO. taxes, reduce regulations, dismantle the corruption at the FBI and the DOJ, pull back the reins on the IRS. Golly shucks, you were right all along, you Republicans. That's not going to happen. Get out of your freaking fairy tale. Yeah, good morning, Mr. Jones. Great show. A lot of information. You do a lot of research and you really care about the state. Because we're from